tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie morning. Welcome along to Tip Today, 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. Emma is looking after today's programme. Coming up on the show, uh, the show, we'll hear from some of our listeners abroad this Christmas. How to approach the holiday season with a mindful attitude. How to cope with single shaming by your family this Christmas. We'll be hearing about Ireland's Children's Hospice, Laura Lynn. They've launched their annual Christmas appeal. So all of that and much, much more on the way. We have that lovely prize for you as well. To celebrate 40 years in business, Hall Alarms, they've given us €500 Euro in cash to give away. It is a terrific prize. We're looking for another qualifier today and we will give that uh, away on the programme on Friday. So to begin with a chance of winning the €500, Euro, we're going to be playing the theme music to a well-known TV show from the year 1982, which was the year, obviously, that Hall Alarms was born and uh, if you can identify that all you have to do is text us or whatsapp on 083 give us your answer and your name and details and the tv show that you have to identify this is the theme tune <laughs> I think it's easy. I think it's easy. So can you identify the TV show from 1982? And uh, we will announce the qualifier before the end of the programme today. 083 311 Quick look at the headlines. The Irish Times climate plan aims to put car, uh, cut car trip uh, distances by a fifth. Uh, government reforms uh, will seek to curb car parking where public transport options exist and reduce the distance driven by motorists by a fifth as part of an attempt to reduce emissions. Also uh, on the Times today and right across the newspapers, coverage of the feud in Rathkeel and uh, David Raleigh is writing that uh, any additional guard resources required to tackle feuding factions in Rathkeel will be forthcoming and that's according to the Minister for Justice Simon Harris who was in Rathkeel yesterday. The Irish Independent and again across the newspapers today coverage of this the former EU Commissioner Phil Hogan has launched a stinging attack on Taoiseach Leo Varadkar who accused of abandoning his principles after he was elected to Fianna uh, leader, and it was in a, a new interview he uh, criticised the newly appointed Taoiseach's populist streak and his failure to fulfil leadership campaign promises as well. On the Irish Daily Mail, Radcar bans mobile phones from cabinets, and that's uh, the new Taoiseach banning, banning his ministers from bringing mobile phones into cabinet meetings amid concern about leaks and electronic spying. It's a touch of irony there, I would imagine. Um, uh, the Irish Examiner and again, uh, coverage of that uh, feud in Rathkeel. And also the number of people hospitalised with uh, COVID-19 has increased by 50% 
in the last week. And it comes as the chief medical officer said she's very worried about the surge ahead of increased socialising over Christmas. So that's a quick peek at what's making headlines in your newspapers today. If you want to comment on any of that, 083 311 Now at this time of year we try and reach out to our listeners abroad for Christmas and our first uh, port of call is the Loire Valley in France and uh, Joe is there. Good morning to you, Joe. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Joe O'Mara. Joe, you're originally from Nina, I think, Joe, are you? Yeah, from Woodstone Terrace. Very good indeed. How long are you in France? Hello? Hello. Can you hear me, Joe? I, are you talk up? Sorry? No, no problem. How long are you living in France, Joe? We bought a house there four years ago. We're all going back. We spent... By well, this year now, I spent eight months of the year here, and the other four months I spent in England. Very good indeed. And uh, tell me about Christmas in France. I mean, what are you looking forward to? How does it differ from the traditional Christmas here in Ireland, Joe? Well, the big day here is Christmas Eve. Everybody sits down on Christmas evening and have presents and uh, lunch, dinner, and then on Christmas Day, it's kind of an unwind day. Everyone kind of chills out a bit. But Christmas Eve is a big day. Very good. And is there and the, shop, the shops are closed early, and then about five o'clock we'll all get together and sit down till about midnight. And is it more family orientated than a pub culture, big for family. example? Big family, big family event here. Big family event. Yeah. Christmas Eve. But then on Christmas Day, if you want to go out, you can get a and, and just say that to me again, Joe. On Christmas Day, if you want to go out. On Christmas, on Christmas Day, if you want to go out. There's trains and public transport running. Wow, wow, it's interesting, isn't it? Um, what, what about France? And do you are you a francophile? I mean, were you, did you Fran, always you're, love? You're breaking up. All right, uh, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll try and get Joe back on a better line and we'll see what we can do with that rather than us shouting across the sea at uh, each other. We'll see what the story is where that uh, was concerned. Let us go instead to Durban in South Africa and Patrick is there for us. Patrick, good morning to you. Hi, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Great to talk to you today. Um, how long are you in uh, South Africa? Um, I moved over five and a half years ago from the UK. And originally you have connections in Tipperary Town, I think, Patrick. Is that right? Correct, yeah. Mum and Dad were both from Tip Town. Um, and all my cousins are basically around Tip, a sister in Sligo and a brother in Tip Town as well. Very good. You have some connections with Kilfiekel Rugby as well. Yeah, a lot of my cousins used to play for Kilfiekel. Um I know your buddy as well, Johnny Luby. Oh, um, the there. So, yeah, most of my cousins played at various stages in Kilfiekel. Very good indeed. What do you do in South Africa, Patrick? I'm lucky enough to be in a position where I'm retired. Um so most of my time is taken up with various voluntary roles. Hmm. Um, I'm involved with Rotary, so I go into the Valley of a Thousand Hills and look after rural community. Um, and I also managed to do something called Reach for a Dream and recently been playing centre. So looking after helping sick kids that have got life-threatening illnesses. That's absolutely fantastic work uh, altogether. How does Christmas work in uh, Durban, um, you know, are there great celebrations or what? what is the culture there? Yeah, no, they're, they're very good. Um, it's still known as the, the last outpost from the UK. Um, so they've got a lot of the traditions are the same. The only difference I'd find is that uh, 
I get up in the morning and I can go for a swim rather than putting on my winter woolies, <laughs> um, which is always a pleasure. Um, and then we tend to, we, we, we would normally have turkey and gammon, but this year there's been a bit of avian flu, so we'll actually be having um, beef instead, but we'll just stick it on the braai. And, uh, yeah, it'll still be the same, all the trimmings and uh, a few drinks after to celebrate and a razor glass to all the family in tip and and various friends. It's, it's, it's great indeed. And is there, I mean, are, are the Christmas decorations around Durban? I mean, would you know that it's Christmas time outside of your own communities? Yeah, no, you would indeed. There's, there's, the thing is, there's a lot of gated communities here. So, obviously, um, you, the decorations are there, but a lot of them are behind walls and so on. But, yeah, we're going down on Thursday to a trail of lights, which is... Uh, a lovely festive thing down in the Botanic Gardens. So, yeah, now it's a proper full-on Christmas and, yeah, people celebrate it big time. Very good. Do you get back to Tipperary? Do you get back to Ireland uh, on a regular basis, Patrick? We try to. Obviously, COVID uh, curtailed that a little bit. But we were back in June and we had um, five days in Tip and then down to Dungarvan visiting aunts and uh, off to Thurless. Then we were in... And we ended up in Leitrim and off to see my sister in Sligo. So we were on the road quite a bit. Very good. What, what do you make of You must have seen a lot of changes here because it's interesting to hear the view of people who have been away for a bit and they come back then. I mean, what, what do you notice in particular? Well, for me, um, I've got a great... To me, I've never lived in Tip, but it's always been a spiritual home for me. But sadly, when you see Tip Town, it's... Yeah, it's gone downhill from... Um, it, it was a wealthy town, you know, and it's now more of a satellite town into Limerick and so on. Mm. And it's sad to see, you know. Um, yeah, it hurts a little bit when you see it, but then you have to take the good with the bad, and then when you see the Gelties, all of a sudden you get the stomach does a loop, and you think, fantastic, it's good to be here, so... It's interesting. And having that perspective that you have, is there much more we could be doing about areas like Tipperary Town, do you think? I mean, you speak about the Gauties and the beauty of that and the Glenavarlow and all of that. I'm not sure about how well we're selling it outside of the country. No, true enough. Um, tip, you know, it's one of these things that, that a lot of the tours would, would go up by casual now. So Tip kind of gets bypassed quite a bit. Um, so I really, I wish there was an answer. I know there's been plenty of lobby groups going on to try and help uh, the profile of Tip Town, but um, it really is a, a town that's slipping, and like I said, it does hurt. But um, yeah, I think you know you'll never see, you'll never cease from us uh, spreading the word about Tip. I'm on the Irish South African Association here, um, and yeah, we we often promote things verbally from from our members that are travelling over. So, yeah, we, you know, you might be away from TIP, but uh, it's never far away from you. Absolutely. Now, I know there's some fan- fantastic groups in Tipperary Town doing great work, and we'll be talking about it, in fact, yeah. later on on uh, the programme. It's not that people aren't uh, trying, but uh, traffic seems to be a huge issue in the town, and they're... It's it, it's slow to address it, I suppose, in its own way. We were delighted to talk to you today, Patrick, and a very happy Christmas to you and all your family there. Thank you for coming on with us. Thank you to everyone in tip and all your listeners.
Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, Patrick McGrath speaking to us there from Durban in South Africa. I think we're going to try and go back to the Loire Valley in France. And uh, Joe is there again. Good morning again, Joe. Good morning, Frank. Uh, We can hear you a bit better. I hope you can hear me okay this time. I can indeed. Oh, excellent. Excellent. We were just talking about Christmas in the Loire Valley and uh, how you will celebrate there, Joe. Yeah, Christmas Eve will be the big day here. Uh, I think about five or six o'clock on Christmas Eve, we'll all sit down and have dinner and probably get up from the table about 12 o'clock between dinner and drinks. And that's the way it is. And then Christmas Day is a day of relaxing. Very good. Yeah. What, what is it about France that you find so attractive, Joe? Well, I've been coming out here now for about oh, 15, 16 years because I used to work for a French company in England. And uh, I was coming out, and I've, I've always loved it out here. And where we are now, I absolutely love it. Because in lots of ways, it, it, there's a little bit of Ireland in it because it's out in the middle of the countryside. Mm. And it's absolutely gorgeous. And it, it's wine country, isn't it? It's a massive wine country mm. and goat's cheese. Right. Very big for goat's cheese and wine. So, so it's a lovely part, and and the climate there. I, I, I'm trying to remember. It would it would be similar enough to Ireland, would it? It would be similar enough. Last week now it was minus five, minus six, right. and today now it's twelve degrees, but it's dry. And they say tomorrow is supposed to be fourteen and dry. But we had a lot of rain last night. Very good. And what about fitting in with uh, French people there? I know there's a great uh, a British expat community out there. Are there a lot of Irish there as well, Joe? Uh, well, we are. There's no British and there's no Irish. Uh, we're, I believe there's a couple of Americans in the village. I haven't met them. Mm. Um, my partner is French. Mm. and um, But where we are, there's not a big expat community. Right. So you've had to fit in with the locals, I guess. Yeah. And, and it's easy enough. My French isn't great. But if you try, they'll try with you. You know, so it's it's and it's the way it is that if you try with them, they'll try with you, and they're lovely people, absolutely lovely. You're originally from Nina. Do you get back every so often? We were back in August for two weeks. We stayed out in Kaparoo with my brother Noel, and we had a lovely time. Uh, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, I get back between January and February for a few days. Oh, very good. Uh, yeah. Spend a couple of days, a couple of days in Dublin. And then I'll spend a couple of days down in Nina because I love going to Nina. I think Nina, wherever I go, I'll always be from Nina. Doesn't matter where I am, that's where I come from. Yeah, Nina is doing so well. I mean, it's a beautiful town. There's so many options there for restaurants and bars and all of that. I've seen a massive improvement in Nina in the last few years. For a while, it kind of went downhill. But now, uh, since COVID, there seems to be a lot of trade back in the town and it seems to be doing really well. And there's some fantastic restaurants in Lena. You know, the last time we were out now, we went to a couple of restaurants uh, in the town itself. And then we went down to Drummelair a couple of times and Ballycommon. And the food was absolutely superb. Mm. Superb. Yeah, which which is terrific. Um, I, I'm just thinking in terms of uh, France and COVID, Joe, how, how did that work out there? Was it similar to what we had here? Were you locked down? We were locked down. Uh, I was locked. I was locked in. Um, I didn't get out here because I got caught in England. I didn't get out here for fourteen months. Uh, and when I got back, uh, the grass was 
six foot tall and everything was was huge and um because the people that looked after that was going to look after the house for us, they were locked uh, away in their own place and they were now either. So we didn't get anywhere for um fourteen months and then we got back. Right, but you had a lot of gardening to do at that point. Uh, yeah, yeah, quite a lot. And I mean this year now we've been doing quite a lot of work outside. And the house there's not a lot to do inside, but on the outside the garden is quite big, so we're getting on with that and we're doing some work around decking and stuff like that. Very good, yeah. Well, what about the drinking culture? I'm I'm always intrigued at this. Is it very different to what we do here in Ireland? And because as I say, you're in the middle of wine country there, you'd imagine people would be sipping all the time. But it's very different how you approach alcohol over there, isn't it? Massive difference. I mean to, to start with, you know, you can have a drink and drive. Uh, I don't know what the limit is. I I don't think you can go and... I mean, we'd often have a couple of halves in the village and then drive back out to our place. But I remember when I worked in, in Paris uh, and I worked for the rail industry, um, the train drivers would come in for their lunch and they would have a glass of wine or they'd have a beer and then they'd get on the train and they drive to Marseille, long distance, wherever they were going, and it was never a problem. Where in England, when we when we worked in the rail industry, you could not have a drink 12 hours before you went to work. And that is a, that, that's one of the big differences. People will have a drink here, but it's sociable. It's not like you don't go out and have five or six pints. You go out and have a couple of glasses of wine, or you have a couple of glasses of beer, uh, and... It's completely different, and it's a different uh, attitude to alcohol than what we would have at home. Right, so you don't go out to get hammered, essentially. Be... No, 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 no. In the village where we are, the, the cafe shuts at 8 o'clock every evening. And, every and, evening. And that's it? It closes at 8 o'clock. That's, uh, it. that's it. That's it. It closes at 8 o'clock, uh, and there's a fairly big-sized town, when I say big, there's probably half the size of Nina, uh, about 10 kilometres away, and everything there closes at 9, 10 o'clock at night, except for one of the it's, it's, it's a completely different culture, isn't it? Massive different culture. I mean, what we usually do is we go to someone else's house, mm. or every now and again we will they'll have an open day in the vineyard, we'll go up to the vineyard, and we'll have spend four or five hours up there. So it's a completely different culture. But I will, once a week, go to the cafe in the village and have a drink. Right, until 8 o'clock and you're... Well, yeah, we usually go in about 6 or 7. Right. Uh, and they'll have three different sizes. I have a, a, a small one for a beer, I have what we call a half pint or half a litre, and then a, a pint. As you say, it's, it's it's very different to how we might celebrate here for sure. Joe, we were delighted to talk to you today and a big happy Christmas to you and your family. Thank you. Thank you very much, Frank. Thank Thanks. you. Bye. And happy Christmas for my family and Nina. Thanks, Joe. Bye-bye to you now. It's Joe O'Mara there, live uh, from the Loire Valley in France this morning. 1800-938-007. Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie now we're whizzing around the world uh, this morning speaking to people with uh, Tipperary connections. We've been in Durban in South Africa and the Loire Valley in France. Let's go to Australia now and to Adelaide and Tara O'Donnell is there. Tara, good morning to you. Morning, Fran. How are you all? We're all very well indeed, Tara, and it's lovely to hear your voice. You're originally from Feathered, Tara. Yes, I'm originally from Feathered. So I've been out here um, on and off 18 years, full-time the last 13 years. Very good. And you've married an Australian, is that right? Yep, I've married an Australian. So we got married in 2015 at home in Ireland. (laughs) Very good indeed, with great celebrations. So Emma was telling me, did you work in McCarthy's in Feathered for a while? Yeah, I was a long-time staff member in McCarthy's in my younger days when I was in... um, at the end of school and in college um, and I worked with one of them, um, Ian, that is, is works with the Tip FM. Absolutely, yeah. Um, and tell me about, was it a culture shock for you when you moved to Adelaide? Um, no, like Adelaide's a really lovely um, part of um, Australia. It's really quite, so it's like living in a in, at home because it's... Um, Everybody's local and everybody knows each other. I was once told when I came here, don't bitch about anyone because everyone knows each other or is related. <laughs> and it's a bit like living in a feathered, everyone knows each other. So, yeah, it's, it's very community-based over here, so where I am. So it's yeah. really good. And um, we got the good weather. That's the main thing. <laughs> That's the main thing. How, how warm is it today, for example? How, how warm will it get today? Um, well, today it's been 26 degrees. We've had, um, since the since September um, to now, the weather has been pretty ordinary. Just so we've got lots of rain, which is pr- pretty good for farming and that in one way. Mm. But then it can be crap in another way. Um, so everything's really green at the minute, where normally it'd be really burnt off. So we are looking forward to being able to wear our shorts again. Um, so the last couple of days have been good and Christmas Day they're given at 29 and then it's high 30s for St. Stephen's Day for a couple of days, which isn't very nice. But yeah, then it goes back down to normal good country living weather to 25, 26 degrees. Well, we'd accept uh, 25 or 26 degrees here, no problem at all, because we've had a cold spell here, Tara, over the last while, and it was kind of bitter from from, from time to time, for sure. Um, tell me about the expat community there. Uh, are there a lot of Irish around you? Um, no, actually, I'm very um, Australian-based. All my friends um, are mainly Australian. I probably have about five Irish friends Um in Adelaide, Adelaide isn't really where loads of Irish go to. It's mainly Sydney and Melbourne and Brisbane. Mm. So actually, Jasper and McCarthy's, when I first came over backpacking, he said, get out of Sydney and travel. And it was the best thing I ever did because that's what I did. I stayed in Sydney for three months and I left. And then it was the best fun I ever had. The people I met are still my friends. Uh, we still socialise everything and... Um, yeah, so it was probably the best thing I did was go to Adelaide and I got to see lots of Australia from Jonas as well. So it was really good. How will you celebrate Christmas there, Tara? Well, I'm hosting Christmas at my house. So it'll be traditional like turkey and ham and um, 
then because Australians, they like their um, seafood, so we'll just have some uh, prawns and oysters. So to mix it up a bit, um, we won't have any soup on the day, but hmm. not like Ireland when you have your mate, your starters as a soup. Yes. <laughs> or a hot whiskey. Right. But the soup isn't uh, appreciated out there, is it? No, not in the hot weather. <laughs> people would look at you and go, oh my God, what are you serving me soup for? Yeah, and uh, how how many people will you host on the day? Um, there's probably about 10 of us and wow. then whoever will call in for a drink on the way as well. So it's an open house here at Stoodles. All is welcome. Very good, They yeah. can come in and have a cup of tea or a glass of wine. And will you do, I mean, will you eat outside as well? You see, we have all of these preconceptions that, you know, uh, the barbie out the back and uh, drinking cans of beer out the back. Is that, is, is that the way it is? It is. Like, some people, like, um, so if you, like, live near, like, the river or the beach, like, it is a barbie out the back. And um, it's pretty pretty low-key. It's, like, as I said, fish, bit of sake of a barbie um they call sausages snags here it's like a snag on the barbie and yeah it's pretty crazy like you know it's just a family get together and it's like drinking western cans or northern northern territory cans of beer or whatever it's like those they're both on the day but ours is pretty traditional like <laughs> so it's good very very good S- snags you call sausages outside, yeah, a snag, and you can't get a good um, Irish snag here if you can't. Um, like, you, that's the only thing I really miss from home is um, a good um, Irish breakfast. Um, just the sausages, like the Denny sausages, you can't be. So you can get them in Melbourne, but where I am in Adelaide, you can't get them. They come in frozen. So, yeah, so that's just probably the only thing you miss is just a traditional Irish breakfast. Oh, it's not the I'm, I'm going to call sausages snags from now on. I think it's a great name for the moment. <laughs> um, do you get home? Yeah, like, you do, know, do you get home every so often, yeah. Tara? Um, I was home in July, um, so I was, because it was the first time I've been home in three and a half years yeah. so, um, because of COVID. And um, it was good because since from COVID, I have a two and a half year old. So, it was the first time meeting everybody oh, at brilliant. home, like my mom and my dad. And now, um, if I'd known, because my sister that lives in Dubai had a baby um, six weeks before I came home in July, and she thought she'd get home because I was staying for six weeks. But because all around the world, like everybody had issues with trying to get passports, she wasn't able to come when I was actually home. Oh. So she's just landed Europe in Dublin with her little um, six-month-old baby. So, yeah, so... I'm the only one that's going to be not home for Christmas. Um, so I think mom and dad, like the last time we had a Christmas that we're all together was probably about eight years ago. Oh, so, but yeah. it'll be, <clears throat> there's like um, 10 grandchildren. So there's, um, I haven't met her and my um, brother's partner, Chris, they just had a baby on Monday, a little baby girl. So when I do get home eventually, there'll be two new people that I'm, I'm going to meet. That's uh, fa- fantastic. Will you get a little homesick uh, this Christmas then? Um, I thought it will because, um, like, this is all their little um, nieces and nephews. Yeah, and yeah. So, and um, they send pictures. The only thing is, we're ahead of um, Ireland. So, like, you know, when I'm going to bed, Christmas is just starting there. So, yeah, so, like, the photos when they come through, I will be a bit like, oh, no, I wish I was <laughs> home for Christmas. <laughs> 
I know. Um, so you're hoping to get home at some point uh, in the next uh, 12 months or so? Yeah, I hope to get home next summer again. Yeah. So um, it was just... Um, I would have loved to went if I could, but yeah, just work and family life and stuff. Um, it's hard to commit to going home twice in one year. Yes, of course. Uh, do you want to say hello to all the gang in Feather, to Tara? Um, I would love to say hello to everyone, my family, because my mother is um, a real Tip FM listener. If you went into the house and you changed the Tip FM radio station, you'd be barred for the year. <laughs> so um, a big hello to mum and dad and all my family and have a magical Christmas and everyone that knows me. Have a magic Christmas and a happy new year. Well, very, very happy new year to you and everybody out there in Adelaide. And lovely to talk to you this morning, Tara. Thank you. Good morning to you. And thank you very much. Thank Cheers. you. Goodbye. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. And that's Tara O'Donnell, who sounds lovely, in Adelaide in Australia, South Australia this morning. Now, uh, to all of our Tip FM uh, listeners across the world, in fact, if you'd like to uh, pop on with us and have a chat with us over the coming uh, couple of days, we'd be delighted to hear from you so you can let us know um, on our WhatsApp uh, if you want to leave us a voice uh, message for example with a shout out to anybody that's cool too and it's 083 311 but however you may contact with us we'd be delighted to hear from you overseas this Christmas Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, let us uh, stay with uh, Australia. We're going to Melbourne now and uh, to Neil. Neil, good morning to you. Morning, how are you? I'm very well indeed, Neil, and great to talk to you today. What's your surname, Neil? Kelly. Kelly, and you're originally from Nina, is that right, Neil? Yeah, Nina. Silvermine is just outside of Nina. Oh, very good. A lovely spot it is, too. How long are you in Melbourne? Uh, 13 years. Wow. And what? how are you getting on out there? I mean, have you? are you yeah, well good. fitted pretty in good, at this point? Ah, yeah. Pretty good over here. The weather's good at the moment, so pretty good. Go on, make us jealous. How warm is it now? Um, it's 29 today. It'll be oh. 31 tomorrow. Oh, sounds, <laughs> sounds ideal. Sounds ideal. Um, what, not what, all the time, though. Is it not? No, no, we get the wet weather as well. Okay, okay. What, what, uh, what are you doing out there? Uh, I work in construction. I'm an operations manager for a construction company. Very good. And uh, are things booming in Melbourne? Oh yeah, things are very busy in Melbourne. Melbourne, Melbourne, going really well. Right, very good. And we need more and more, more and more people. More and more people in Melbourne. We can't get enough people. So, uh, and uh, I mean, are Irish people going out there all of the time? Yeah, there is. There's a there's a good influx of Irish people coming in now, but like over COVID and all that, it um it it really was hard on the industry over here because they couldn't get people to work because there wasn't anybody coming into the country. Mm. So that was the hard thing because they they always need people coming in for like even any industry at all, any part of Melbourne, Australia, like the, a lot of um immigrants come in every year and work, whether it's for a year visa or a two-year visa, whether they stay for longer. I, I thought they stopped people from coming in for a period of time, did they not? They did. That was that was the problem. When oh, was they stopped it? Yeah. us, nobody was coming in, so like people were suffering here, like even 
you go out for a meal, like, and there wasn't even, like, when COVID finished and people were still coming out, you go out for a meal and there wasn't even enough people in a the bar, there wasn't even enough people in the restaurant. My God, it's, it's uh, incredible. So, um, and, and that's yeah. the problem that we're having here now is that you can't get workers, particularly for, for hospitality. What's the lifestyle like out there, Neil? Yeah, the lifestyle is good. It is It is a good lifestyle. It, was, it, it, it brings me back to, like, before I left to come over here, it was that kind of a lifestyle. Things were busy. Before I left to come over here to Australia, things were busy. Everybody was busy. There was houses being built. There was everything going on. It's just like that constantly. It's like the, the boom time in Ireland where it was constantly, every homes were being built everywhere. There was loads of construction work. There was loads of farm work. There was loads of, like, people were out having drinks. People were out eating. Like, there's just loads going on all the time. And then, of course, we had the crash. Yeah, that's pretty much it, I think, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, is that why you left at that stage then? Because there was no work, I suppose. Yeah, look, well, I was working for a company just out of just out of Nina. And they, I was told at the time, like, that once the, the Nina bypass stopped, that they would have very little work and I was always thinking of coming to Australia and then the guy, the owner of the company said to me, look, if I was you, he goes, get a bit of money together and, and he goes, go to Australia because he goes, this time next year, he goes, we won't be busy. So things might be different. So I said, look, I was going for a year. I said, I'd go for a year and see what happens. Came over for a year and then um, I've been here for 13 years got married last year or got married at the start of this year had a daughter three years ago so it's all moving pretty good Con- congratulations to you and is it home for you now neil not it's never going to be home but like i i went home in june june this year i went home for a holiday and look, it's, it's just so hard for, like, I would always love to live at home with my family and with my friends. Like, I still talk to a lot of my friends and obviously my family. But for me, if I went home, like, it's not the money. It's 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 the life. Like, I, how would I buy a house? How would I get a mortgage? How would I support a three-year-old and a wife? How would I build my own home? Like, there's no options there at all. Like, I went home in June and even looking at options, like even if you went home with money, you're still not going to get a home within six months. You're not guaranteed you're going to get a loan. So I think it's a little bit disappointing with Ireland that they're not given opportunities for people to come home. Like if they said, okay, you can come home and these are your options. If you have so much money, you'd save up money over here where you're getting well paid and, and and stuff like that, and you go home and you'd try your best to see a future, but you can't see a future at the moment because there's no options for young people to come home. It's very interesting to hear you speak so eloquently about that this morning because, I mean, you know, we need to attract uh, professionals like yourself home, but you're saying to me that it's just not attractive enough? No, it's not, because, like, here in here in Australia, I just bought a house here in Australia. I just bought a house... Um, last month because myself and my wife wasn't sure what we were going to do but <clears throat> we've been paying rent and you know it's dead money as you all know you pay rent you yeah. don't be paying for your own home and we said look at the moment in the next four or five years or longer we can't see ourselves going home so we said we might as well be paying off a mortgage then 
paying rent for another five years, you know, like thousands of dollars a year and you get nothing back at all. If you did decide to leave in five years' time, you've nothing to sell. If you did decide to go home and try it out for a year or two, you could always... The rent... People are mad renting houses here in Melbourne too, you know, so it's very easy to rent a house. So at least you go home, try it for maybe a year or two years, see how you go. If you didn't like it, you still could come back. Because I'm, I'm an Australian citizen and so is my daughter. And my wife's a permanent resident, so we can go... We could go home for if we want to for two years, try it out, and then come back. But it's just the option. It doesn't feel like there's any opening for people to come home. It's it's fascinating to hear your your, your take on all of this. Did I hope I'm not invading your privacy? But did you find any issue or problem to buy a house out there? Was it relatively easy to no. do so? No, it was oh, it was easy. Like look. I make good money. I've been working for the same company since I came here for 13 years. I've been banking with the same bank since I came to Australia. We, we've all, I've always been saving and we always save and we always put money away. And we went into the bank and the woman sat down. And to be honest, they were giving us a lot more money than we wanted to borrow. And we said, no, 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 like we don't want to borrow that amount of money. This is the kind of area we want to look at. This is the kind of money we want to spend. And she just turned around and said, like, before we even did the paperwork, she said, you'll have no problem in getting a loan at all. Wow. You can borrow you can borrow a third more than what you're asking for. It's incredible. Easily. And and are you telling me, Neil, I know that Melbourne is the capital, the most populous city of Australia. Are you telling me there's no problem renting or buying in Melbourne? No, no problem at all. My God. Nope. No problem. There's houses going up in Melbourne everywhere. I Since I lived in Melbourne, I'm living about just on 30 k's outside of the city. And um, and when I first came here, when you drove to, say, 15 k's outside the city, it was all like you'd see houses, a few houses here or there or whatever. But when you drive out now, there's just houses everywhere. In 10 years, there's houses built up. So the city has pretty much moved out 25, 30 k's to where it used to be. Right, but it's affordable enough, is it? Yeah, oh, it is. Look, there is, there will be people that will say that it isn't because when you build a career and you're in a good job as a manager, you get well paid, you do. And like, if you come over here as a young person over to Australia and you want to do the fool, I suppose, or you want to go drinking and have the laugh and whatever, you will struggle to stay here because rent is expensive. It's not really expensive, but rent is expensive and, and you know, paying for things is expensive. Fuel is expensive here again, like everywhere else. Um, if you want to stay here, you can, if you behave yourself, but if you don't want to, you just want to come here for a year, have a good year and go home, you can do that too. Yeah, it's, it's such an insight into what you're, you're doing out there. Tell me about the, the social life and the like, Neil. Is that, is that similar to here or is it completely different? Oh, no, the social life. The social life in the Irish, you can go to Irish places like Irish bars and Irish restaurants and stuff like that. And you meet all the Irish people in the same like country music or um, Irish music and stuff like that. And there's like, like, there's a good way of life. Like the, 
living in Melbourne City, like the city is a great life. Like there's 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 a lot to do in the city. Like Melbourne's great because there's so much that goes on here. Like if you want to have like um even if you don't want to go out and constantly go out drinking or do whatever you want to do, you can like there's rugby here, there's AFL here, there's MotoGP, there's Formula One, like all these sporting events that are on here during the year. So there's concerts on here, like every during the week there's concerts on the whole time. So you can always there's always something to do. That's the definitely the one thing about it. Like I found in Ireland like that, like there it's kind of feels I know I live you live in a city with six million people. I suppose mm. it's a bit different than living in silver mines, you know what I mean? <laughs> just a little I would imagine, yeah. Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit, yeah. <laughs> And and tell me, I mean, are your friends largely Australian at this point, or is it a mix? Uh, have you Irish uh, expats okay. out there with you? Yeah, it's 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 a mix. Like my wife's Irish. I I uh, I met my wife over here four years ago, mm-hmm. and she lives she lives in Littleton. That's oh. where she she lives. So like, I live in in Silvermines, and she lives in Littleton. Well, from Silvermines, and she's from Littleton. So. And come the whole way over to Melbourne to meet each other, and then like we have. And like, you didn't meet. You didn't Irish. meet back home. You met in 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 Melbourne, even though she's from Littleton and you're from Silvermines. Yeah, we met in we met in Melbourne. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in an Irish bar. So there's something to, to, to think about and talk about in an Irish bar in Melbourne. Isn't that incredible? Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good indeed. Um, so for for the foreseeable future, it, I mean, it's Melbourne for you, but you might look at it as years go on, possibly. Yeah, yeah, like it's it's not home. Look, I would never say that Melbourne is home. I I've met some great friends and 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 um, have a lot of great friends here and whatever. But if if things were different and there was more opportunity to go home, look, I would like to give home a go i like i do miss my family i miss my parents my like i've got a lot of um friends at home like that i try and keep in contact with and stuff like that like i've got um, amy's got a lot of friends and family at home as well so so with a three-year-old it's slightly different you you kind of get that more want to go home mm. not because of her but when she's here because you want her to you want people to see or grow up when you want people to be able to like have fun with her and her, get her to see her her cousins and stuff like that. But when I was here and I I didn't have a child, I wasn't so drawn to go home. But at the same time, you kind of have to make the right decision. Do I go home? And there's no opportunity there for me. Am I going to go back? What am I going to do after giving 13 years working hard to build my career to move up? to go back and do what in Ireland? Uh, politicians, yeah. local representatives, they tend to listen to this show, Neil, and I'm wondering, what do you have to say to them? Um, because, you know, we're all screaming about the need to bring professionals like yourself, well, to bring people home in general here, and to, mm. to, to boost the country in some way. What do you say to them? All I, all I can say is like they need to listen to the the younger generation, and they need to they need to look to themselves and see what do they need to do to help young people come home to Ireland. Because I'm a middle thirties, middle to late thirty year old that's been here for thirteen years. I've got that many friends that are all in the same age bracket, a little bit younger. Like my wife is a nurse. 
29 years of age. She's working here in Melbourne. Like, there's so many complaints about not having people in Ireland, but what options are they given to the young people that have left the country to come home? Like, where are they going to live? Where are they going to get mortgages? Where are they going to build their life? That's the but, one but, thing that... But, Neil, you, you and Amy would be the ideal couple and your little daughter to have home here. I mean, we're crying out for medical staff. We're crying out for nursing staff, yeah. particularly with experience. You have huge experience in construction. You're exactly who we need here, and you're telling me it is not attractive for you to come home. Oh, look, it is, to me... It's just sad. It, it makes me feel sad about Ireland because young people should be home, like, with their families, like, working and, like, building their life at home. Mm. But it's just not that way, you know. Yes. And, like, I came here for a year, like I said before, and it was not, not a thing where I was going to go to Australia and I was going to... I wanted to stay here. It was never like that. It was I was going to go to Australia, see the world, and see what happens. That's yes. the way I felt. And then over the years staying here, to be honest, and it's hard for me to say that, that I got to see that Australia was a real good place to live. There was great opportunities for like somebody in their early thirties to move up into management. And I was a an operator at home in Ireland and it was two years after being here in Australia and then they wanted me to become like a supervisor and then move into a management role. And then I'm just like, when would I ever get that opportunity at home in Ireland to move from being an operator to a supervisor up into management where I don't have to be driving machines till the age of 50 or 60 years of age driving a machine. And that's what I feel like could happen to me if I did go home to Ireland. They'd be like, obviously you have to make money to to support your family. So any option that's a home, I'd have to take it because you have to bring money in. So I probably would end up driving a machine home or driving for some person up the road or whatever. You know, every politician in the country should play back this conversation because the insight is absolutely incredible. Can I ask you, how will you celebrate Christmas Day? Um, oh, just uh, Amy's sister lives here, so the three of us and my daughter will um, just celebrate Christmas in the house. We're going to turn be low-key. Mm. Probably be spending a bit of the time probably talking to home late in the evening and stuff like that, WhatsApp and so people can talk to our daughter and Oh, that's everything. That's good. I, I know you want to give a shout out to some people uh, that might be tuned away around around the Nina area. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to my mum, who is um, actually sick at the moment in in hospital in Nina. So hoping that she'll um, get better and um, be out for Christmas. And my dad, Tom Kelly. So hopefully they'll get to spend Christmas at home. Obviously, I want to say. Um, Hello to all my um, all my family, um, Amy's parents, Trace and Blondie, um, Amy's nan, Philomena Lanfear. Um, I wish you all a Merry Christmas, and hopefully we'll get home for a visit sometime next year. 
Very good indeed. Well, we wish you and your family a happy Christmas. Say hi to Amy. My my dad was originally from Littleton, so I'm sure they the families probably knew each other. Look after yourself, Neil, and thank you for talking to us today. No problem. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank you. Bye bye to you now. That's uh, Neil Kelly speaking to us from Melbourne today. Incredible conversation there. I'm sure you'll agree. Incredible insight into why our our young people. Um, might need to to stay out of the country. And as I say, I hope some politicians were listening uh, to that because they will be well informed afterwards and they might like to take that to the Doyle uh, next year. News and information is on the way. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today, 1800 George was on to us from Nina, and he says, Fran, I'm amazed at your reaction to the chap from Silvermines who can't come home because of the lack of housing and opportunities. George goes on to say, the dogs on the streets uh, know the problems that we have here, but it's the media who won't highlight it, only going with the government spin on everything, says George and Nina. Well, George, I know you're a regular listener to this programme, and I'm sure even you will have to admit that we deal with all of those issues all of the time. But I was delighted to give Neil a proper platform um, to speak today as somebody who is a young professional with a young family living in Melbourne, would like to come home, but can't because the opportunities just are not here. And we wanted to hear it from his point of view because there's too many people here speaking on behalf of others. And that was the idea. And as for the media... Um, not covering things. Uh, George, we've given you opportunity time and time again, including this morning, to come on air with us and make your point. And I think you might have hung up on uh, Emma when she tried to make a call. So look, you know, you have an open platform here as well, George. Um, 83 311 We have our prize of €500 Euro in this, uh, association with our great friends at Hall Alarms because they're celebrating 40 years in business. 500 euro in cash we're giving away on Friday. We're looking for another finalist today. And uh, you have to identify the TV show from 1982 uh, by listening to a little of the theme tune. It's kind of easy, kind of easy today. Um, 083 311 If you uh, can recognise the TV show, give us uh, your answer and your name and your details and we'll pop you in the draw. We'll look for another finalist just before the end of the programme today. And many congrats to our good friends at Hall Alarms celebrating their 40th birthday. Now, if you're single, um, how prepared are you for the inevitable uncomfortable questions you will face over the Christmas turkey. You know, when are we getting grandchildren? Whatever happened to what's-her-name? We liked him, we liked her. quarter of people aged 18 to 31 say that such questions from their family over the festive period makes them feel unvalued or indeed unworthy. Now, Dr. Caroline West is host of the Glow West podcast and Bumble's uh, resident sex and relationship uh, expert. And uh, she joins me now. Good morning to you, Caroline. 
Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Lovely to talk to you again, Caroline. Thank you for coming on with us. I mean, it's inevitable that single people will be questioned in this way, but it's very unfair, isn't it? Yeah, these are very deeply personal questions, you know, and they might be really painful for some people. You know, you mentioned there about um, children. Like, there's lots of reasons people might not want to have children or can't have children. So for people to just casually go, where's their grandkids? You know, that that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody. And grand uh, grandparents, I mean, or, you know, parents or whatever, they wouldn't mean anything harmful, but maybe they just need to realise how hurtful that can be. Absolutely, you know, and it might be just one question from them, but they might hear uh, the person concerned might hear from everybody. You know, it might be from friends, might be from other people of like, you know, what, what's the next step? What's the next step? So they might be sick and tired of hearing it by that stage, and yeah, it might be absolutely completely innocently, but you know, it still doesn't you know, change the fact that it might be a very deeply personal and painful conversation for that person. So, you know, it's best I think if we kind of reflect on the kind of questions we are comfortable asking people and thinking. That's personal. We leave that one alone there. Yeah, let's leave that alone. So if you have to field off questions like that, what is the best way to do so, Carla? I mean, you can't start a row, I suppose, at Christmas time, but how do you do it properly? Yeah, so I suppose there's a few different ways. Like if, if you're really, you know, expecting this from your family or friends at Christmas, maybe have some stock answers prepared. So whether that's a joke or, you know, it's like, oh, well, I'm doing it, you know, in, in three years, I'm going to go traveling first or, oh, you know, the housing crisis is like, things like that. And that kind of gives you just like something that you're comfortable with and you're prepared for that. Um, otherwise, you can like, you know, maybe cause a distraction and say, oh, I'll just go check on the turkey or, you know, I see Nanny over there needs a top up over glass I'll go get that and I'll answer your question when I come back and then maybe you don't come back for a little bit longer and they might have forgotten about it by that stage or take the kids out and play with their new bikes or whatever so you know it's about being prepared for it so that you're not caught off guard because that's when we feel a lot more uncomfortable with these kind of questions. Yeah, of course yeah I'd just be afraid of too many glasses of wine and telling people to mind their own you know what <laughs> yeah. and that's the Absolutely. danger. Yeah. <laughs> more and more people of course are consciously single Caroline and do you need to make that clear or should you have to make that clear or what's that about? Yeah, you can kind of say like people, like we kind of use successful people in society as settled down and coupled up and, you know, they've a great job and they've a partner at home and they've got 2.4 kids and the mortgage and everything yeah. else. And life is different now. You know, it's, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're a failure if you're, if you're not in one of those situations. Um, so I think it's for people getting comfortable with being single and explaining that to them and going, well, do you want me to just settle down with the first person who comes along or tell them about a disaster state that you went on? And then they might kind of say, oh, it's not as easy easy is just you know throw a rock mm. into a sea and then, and then you get whoever you want so it takes a lot of time um to find that perfect person for you um so it's about being conscious about it and thinking you know what i'm going to try not to like give in to people's pressure and think you know because they're all asking me at christmas i feel like i have to go out with someone i have to find the first person who comes along mm. and mm. things like that so being in touch with ourselves and knowing what's true for us is really important here yeah and i've heard that awful stupid comment you know is oh you need to be less fussy you need to sort of you you know, um, uh, drop your standards somewhat. Yeah, I think standards are not a bad thing. You know, if, what if we went out with someone and they turned out to be really racist? Are you just going to say, oh, well, that's okay because they have other values that are the same and, and good values for me? Like, no, you know, that's not... Like, we don't have to settle for somebody that 
isn't the right person for us or, you know, isn't on the same path as us or, you know, doesn't want the relationship, but we'll kind of take what we can get from them, things like that. Like, you know, so we have choice now. Um, and that's the great thing. You know, you know, a few generations back, sure, you had to be settled down and, and married and have kids when you're almost a teenager, basically. So you didn't really have much choice but now we do and it's okay to wait and see who's really out there and who fits like your lifestyle the, we alluded to to children or not having children earlier and that could be you know some some uh, biological issue or whatever but as well as the couples nowadays they might choose not to have children absolutely yeah and and you know and there's the language around it people say oh you're childless and a lot of people say well no i'm not childless i'm child free yes and that's a massive difference that you know people have decided i don't have to do this so like parenting isn't for everyone it doesn't mean you're a bad person doesn't mean you're selfless or selfish whatever it is it just means that's not in your life plan for you and that's okay you know we all know the environment isn't so great and the housing crisis is there and um i feel really sorry for people who are stuck in the pandemic with a lot of kids you know that that's seemed like a lot so I think the pandemic has really changed people's minds on these things you know so I think um that's it's a good thing it's like people are living life on their terms and I think that's really positive and new in Irish society you know like you're kind of viewed as really odd if you didn't have those you know massively large families back in the day you know um is it worth a conversation beforehand I'm just thinking if auntie so-and-so and uncle so-and-so are going to be there for and you know that Mm. they have a big mouth and stuff is it worth a conversation with the mum or the dad before you come home and say look you know I don't want to be dealing with this uh, I think that can go two ways. You know, they, they the parents might not understand how you're feeling about it. And then it's really hard to control somebody else, especially if they've had a few drinks and they're kind of used to this and stuff. So, um, you know, maybe I talk directly to that person before the drinks kind of kick in a little bit, catch them early on in the day. Um, but if, if not, if you know that that's not going to be possible, just have that stock answer ready for what you feel comfortable with. So it can be, you know, statement as fact, it can be a joke or it can be like, you look, I don't want to talk about this. Mm-hmm. or oh, I'll tell you about that later or whatever happens to be so that you're not caught off guard and you're you're thinking, all right, I've got to deal with Uncle John or whoever it is and mm. stuff. And just so you're not sitting around waiting for the inevitable to happen and feeling really, really uncomfortable because then you're not going to enjoy your Christmas Day then. And that's the point, isn't it? And, you know, you could easily have your confidence knocked and it could spoil Christmas at home. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, who wants to go home to an interrogation about their love life? You know, that's not really fair. Um, So I suppose, yeah, about, you know, if you see about changing the subject or just think, oh, I just don't really want to deal with this. And if you know there's no talking to them and if you know it's going to be a really uncomfortable experience, you don't have to go to Christmas with them. You know, people kind of feel like we're very socially obliged and Mm. stuff. So if you're feeling like, oh, I'm I'm not going to get out of this, there's going to be like, you know, this is going to be an absolute nightmare. Can I always just say you have COVID and just stay at home, you know, and have a great Christmas by yourself where you're not going to be interrogated about your love life, you know? And and if the Um, ad is right, they'll all tell you they're delighted not to have you home if you... (laughs) Absolutely. Before I let you go, Caroline, I mean, this is the, the first Christmas, I suppose, in a few that we can sort to socialise in, in, in the way that we might like uh, to do so. And I'm just wondering from a relationship point of view, have we changed considerably post-COVID in terms of how we meet up and maybe our, our, our view to getting together or whatever? Is, is it different 
I think so, yeah. I think people are prioritising their health a lot more. You know, they're thinking, God, do I want to go out to every single social occasion out there? Like, that's kind of exhausting at the moment. And there is the, the phenomenon of all of us feeling just really tired and overwhelmed is called the great exhaustion at the moment. And it's just that feeling of, you know, we've been through how many years of it now? Is it three years? Three years, And yeah. we're just exhausted and then all of a sudden expected to just switch on our social battery and go out to you know three four parties a week and it's just that's a lot for people and I think maybe people realise during the pandemic as well actually these friendships aren't as strong as I'd like you know because we couldn't see anyone so you know did the, did the friendships um, sustain themselves you know even due text or technology or whatever it happens to be and I think maybe people realise actually do I want to spend that evening in the pub no, not really. Like for me, for me myself, like the thought of going out to a pub now, uh, like Christmas mm. Eve, around lots and lots of drunk people, I you couldn't pay me a million euros yeah, to I do know. it. But yeah. before, I would have been like, yeah, absolutely, let's go. And so, but, I but almost obliged, on, Caroline, almost obliged yeah. to do so, yeah. Absolutely, that's what we do. That's their culture. You know, we are a big um, drinking culture and a pub culture and, and stuff like that. And people, I think, have really reassessed their relationship with alcohol as well. And, you know, do they want to spend all that money and all that time and all the hangover time as well um, the next day? And I think a lot of people are saying, no, I want to do sober dating and I want to, um, you know, watch my health and, and manage my life a little bit better and choose different things. So I think it's really positive that people are starting to go, I'm not going to give in to the social pressure. I'm going to do what's right for me. Just remind us about the Glow West uh, podcast, Caroline. Yeah, so that that's my podcast and where we look at um, sex and sexuality in the body. So there's tons of different topics. I think we're up to 140 episodes now with um, guests from all over the world and we talk about all sorts of factors. So like authentic sexuality or like what is sex positivity or what is, um, you know, how do you recover from abuse of, of all different sorts? Um, how do you figure out what's right for you? All those kind of things. Because I think we don't get those nuanced conversations in school and sex education. So it's nice to create a safe, calm and, and fun space to have these conversations because like sex and fun are, are sex and intimacy are meant to be fun and silly and ridiculous. So we carry that vibe into the podcast. Very good indeed. And Glow West is available on all of the usual platforms, I guess, is it? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's number one quite a lot. So thank you to all my listeners, which is just fab to have. So yeah, thanks right. well, we're, we're almost delighted to talk to you. Caroline, thank you and good morning to you. Happy thanks Christmas. Thanks so much, Fran. Bye Happy bye Christmas. Now. Bye bye now. Bye That's bye uh, bye. Dr. Caroline West there of the Glow West podcast, a very popular podcast indeed, and also Bumble's resident sex and relationship expert. Uh, 1800 938 The text and WhatsApp 83 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecone, you can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Now, listener says, I'm sure nobody will be disappointed at Leo's decision to ban mobile phones from the Cabinet. It was scandalous during the uh, budget debate to see so many TDs on the phones. Uh, You don't see this in the House of Commons or in most workplaces. Netflix comes to mind, says this uh, particular uh, listener. Well, there 
They're talking about banning them at the cabinet uh, table. Now, they're saying it's because of security risks and uh, the like, and uh, a lot of people sort of uh, rolling their eyes at that and thinking it's about leaking more than anything else. I remember um, Enda Kenny's decision uh, to ban mobile phones years ago from the cabinet table as well. And... (laughs) The excuse there was that one of the ministers was wearing a hearing aid and that uh, the mobile phones were interfering with the hearing aid. Uh, yeah, make what you will of that. 1800 Now, people across Ireland are making their final preparations for Christmas with the big celebration now just a couple of sleeps away. However, the controversial question of whether to say Merry Christmas or Happy Christmas can divide people or Happy Xmas even. And uh, Anne is with me now. Anne, good morning to you. Morning, Ben. How are you? I'm very well indeed, Anne. So, is it uh, Christmas or is it Xmas for you, or do you care, Anne? Um, not really worried. To be honest, look, people are are abbreviating in text. You know, your PLS for please. I mean, if they knew the history of it, I knew the history of the Xmas. X has got to do with with the Greek um, end of it. Uh, Christ and X is more oh. or less the one. Yeah. So I, I didn't mean, realize that. Yes. Yes. Yeah, so oh. I mean, it's it's Christmas. It's X. So it's not non-religious, really, if people looked into the history of it. Isn't but, that um, I, And I would always say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. I'd never say Happy Christmas. Right, <laughs> right. But uh, no, I mean, it doesn't look... People are getting excited. If you're writing 50 cards, I mean, you might put in Xmas. I would never think of putting in Xmas because I suppose I always write Christmas, you know? Yes. But it's not because I'm overly religious. You know, it might, but uh, I mean, what bothers me more is the price of the cards. I bought five cards to send abroad, and they cost me twenty-three euro, and to post them was eighteen euro. Wow! So, like, that was so five cards to to. They were close family. Now, I don't send cards to people I meet every day, but these were daughter and son and 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 brother, and the five cards were. 23 euro and 18 euro when I went to the post office. Well, I'm so, so I mean... surprised. It's easy to know that I don't send cards because I'm, <laughs> I, I'm just really overwhelmed by that. That's, that's incredibly yeah, expensive. I mean, yeah, I, I won't. And I, I was sending a gift to my son's parents-in-law. Um, I was sending a small gift to them because they'd be very generous to join the year now to going to Australia. And the little gift was 12.95 and it was 18 to post it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> So really, like, but that's getting off the point. So, I mean, the cost of cards is going to stop people sending cards, whether they're right Xmas or Christmas. <laughs> right, I know. And uh, do, you, do you have any problem uh, with the, I suppose, is it the secular view of Christmas? And do you mind the fact that maybe the whole Christian aspect to it, which is at the core of it, is is sort of pushed aside? Yeah. Um, I don't. I, I, I'm easy, really. I, I've sort of gone away from the religious end of it. I had issues with the church over the years and I, I just feel, um, you know, everybody makes their own Christmas and I have Christ in my own life if I want to have him and I don't need to go to the church. It's nice to go to see the crib in the in the church, don't get me wrong, but um, and look, I, it's, it's case equal, really. Everybody has their own way of celebrating. I don't mind if you want to be over-religious about mm. it. Or, I do, I suppose, agree that some people can go mad and we all go a little bit mad come to Christmas Eve and get a bit panicked oh we need something extra we need this we need that and I suppose that has probably made people think they've forgotten about the important bit but we've an awful lot of different nationalities in our country now and we can't be saying that the Catholic end of it is the best end you know we have to just go with the flow and and I mean a lot of people don't actually celebrate I heard the lady on the radio this morning they celebrate their Christmas Day on Christmas Eve yes yeah, so, like, yeah. You know, in, in I mean, France it tends to be hmm. celebrated on Christmas Eve yeah yeah 
Yes, and I know in in Holland they 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 celebrated first um, or second week in December. Mm. So um, yeah, oh, people can get overexcited about it, really. You know, I mean, I I just want to close the door on Christmas Day and don't have to get into the car until the day after Stephen's Day because everyone is rushing and racing around all year long. And I think just to sit down with the family, if you can, and have a nice two days relaxing, chilling. You know, um, you, you're dead on. That's that's what I do. Is so we don't have visitors, nor do no. we visit on Christmas Day. No. It's it's just just family. No, it's it's nice because I think everybody's in that car. Yeah every day of the week and to be able to close the door there are no shops open there's nowhere to go I think there's one or two shops open for factories mind you friend but anyhow mm, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but um, you know it's nice just to close the door uh, like you know I, do, I, I don't have any problem with the secular or the religious end of it really I, I put up the crib myself but I mean I'm I'm gone beyond the, the, the morning mess like and all that sort of thing <laughs> so, mm. but I, you know I, I don't think I'm any way wrong for that I have my own way. Absolutely. Well, you have your own beliefs and perfectly entitled to that. I was fascinated with what you said to me about X and the symbolic nature of it. So I was just Googling it there and you're dead right. It's the symbol for the letter Chi or the first letter in the Greek word for Christ, Mm -hmm. seemingly. I thought it was just sort of a makey uppy thing for... (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Every day is a school day, Joan. No, right. cause actually my daughter um, uh, uh, enlightened me with that when we were talking about it and she enlightened me about it. She said, and I, I wasn't aware of it either. But I, I never really looked at Xmas as being atheist or something like yeah. that, you know. I mean, a lot of people just write it quickly and Xmas, that's fine. I would never think of doing it, but I wouldn't see anything wrong if I got it on a card, you know. Right, right. You know, it wouldn't offend you in any way, obviously. Not, um, oh, not at all. There'd be a lot more things that would offend me now than that. <laughs> <laughs> so are you Christmassy then, and Do you look forward to it? Um, I, yeah, I, I look forward to when Christmas Day comes. I do an awful lot of, of baking and that for friends and, and, and just as little gifts. So I find this week is a little bit tiring. Mm. But... Um, once I come to Christmas Day, I enjoy the day and, and I, I relax. But I just find uh, I have lists every day just trying to tick everything off. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and I try and stay out of town because if you go into town, you just get delayed. And that's, oh, gosh, almighty, so much to do. But look, at I, I, we just we don't overdo it. But I like to just give a few little homemade gifts to people and I leave it at that day. Isn't, you know? isn't that lovely? <laughs> Did you say you have somebody in Australia, Anne? Yes, I have a son in Australia. Yes, right. he's not coming home now this year because... He was to come at Christmas with his partner, but the flights were going to be four thousand dollars each. Wow! <laughs> so wow. he's coming in. May. He's coming next year for a month. So that's right. fine. My daughter's home from England, all right. But the, he's uh, he just you couldn't justify that. I mean, the flights in Australia since COVID have skyrocketed. He's even flying to his in-laws in um in. Uh, he's even driving to Adelaide. It's about a five-hour drive because he's flying from Adelaide. Melbourne to Adelaide would be similar to London to Scotland, and that would be a thousand dollars. Wow! So it's yeah. a, it's an so, awful yeah. lot of money. For I, I miss him, but look at with 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 FaceTime and everything. It's 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 easy to keep in contact with people now. You know. And it was lovely to talk to you. And happy Christmas you to you and your family. Anne. And thank you. Thank you. Good morning, Dave. What about you, you now? That's uh, and let's go to to Joan now, who's on the other line. Joan, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. How are you? I'm very well, Joan. But more importantly, how are you? And does this whole Xmas Christmas thing, does that matter to you at all? 
not a whole pile, to be honest with you. And you see people getting very exercised on social media about happy holidays instead oh, yes. of happy Christmas. Yes. And that's another slant and another story and another subject, perhaps. But it's all about the spirit of Christmas for me. When religion dominates our lives, many people had Christmas as the birth of Christ. And mm. still, many, many people still do. And that's fine with me. I don't push my views and I don't like people pushing theirs on me either. Um the world is a very different place now, Fran, you know, yeah. and, uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of division in our society. And for me personally, it's about a precious time with family. And, like, and that's it what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting me. about the happy holiday thing. That's, uh, we've sort of imported that from the States, I think. It's all okay. over the Coca-Cola ads and all of that now, isn't it? It's, yeah, it's happy holiday right, as yeah. opposed to Christmas, yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, as I said, I wouldn't get exercised about it. I'm not mm. that precious about it, to be honest with you. It's just a, a phrase. It's something, it's a time of year. It's a time of celebration. And, you know, and it's the whole spirit of Christmas is about celebrating and celebrating family. And, uh, you know, it can be a sad time for so many people. And yeah. we all have a vacant chair or two when it comes to the Christmas table. And also now, all our lives are so busy. Yes, and Christmas is often the only time when families can be together. And we, let us not forget our multicultural society mm. and the different nationalities, as Anne alluded to there earlier as well. And, and the division that's here now, and every day you hear it more, and particularly if you're on social media, oh I'm God, getting yeah. a bit weary of it. This Are you? Whole division. Oh, I'm just so tired of it all. And is that getting much worse, Joan? Do you think we're becoming really divided now? Well, you see, there's a cult out there now, and they're pushing this whole rhetoric of, you know, all the Ukrainians and mm. all the other nationalities yeah. are getting everything handed to them. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just sick, and I'm tired, and I'm often in tears reading this type of thing and then where are they getting it from? They're not doing the research. They're not looking at reality. They're looking to blame somebody and God help the fall guy it's the pure poor Ukrainians and the other people who have come here to be rescued by us. That's the bottom line. Because this Christmas, I mean, who would want to be here in a room somewhere um, with trying to, you know, trying to have a Christmas for kids if they could be back in their homeland, you know? Sure, nobody would do that by choice. Nobody would, you know. And and I suppose I just say, for me, Christmas is about family. It's about getting together. It's about love. It's about celebrating Mm. our family. And I just would say, let us all share the end of the year with open hearts and love. And then as a step forward into the new year and have a new mantra, it's mine all the time. And for those people, if they could only stop and just live and let live. That is all I'd ask of people. That's what I would like for this Christmas. It's a, it's a lovely message, Joan. It really is a lovely message. And are you very concerned now that there are groups out there who are oh, man- manipulating us and, yeah. you know, yeah. you, you yeah. dividing us and saying, oh, the reason we yeah. don't have anything is because of them or what? Yeah. Does that concern yeah. you greatly? It does concern me very, very much and more and more every day. And as I say, there's... I know you could say you can turn them off or you can block them or whatever. They'll come into you in a different guise yeah, into I your know. news feed. And your reason, your reason is on the papers, you're hearing it on the radio. I've heard yourself defend and, you know, different radio stations that mm. I tune into and will yeah. be involved with. And I've heard them all trying to defend those people. We shouldn't have to defend refugees. We shouldn't have to. For God's sake, you know, that is totally ludicrous be honest with you. We all look and we see our own people on the streets. Some of those people are there by choice. 
But you see, everybody's charged with the one brush. Oh, they were thrown out and they couldn't afford the rent and they didn't this and they didn't get that. And now all these other nationalities are getting everything. So there's nothing mm. left for us. You know, However, I have dangerous. to say, Joan, I mean, we heard from Neil this morning who was in Melbourne in Australia and he would like to be home with his wife who's from Littleton and she's in Dorset. They'd be ideal for, I mean, it's exactly what we're looking for here. But they yes. can't come home to a country that can't look after them with a house and, you know, or they'll pay for the house. They're just not yeah. available. The jobs aren't, uh, the jobs that they'd be looking for, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our country is in a poor state, mm. you know, but that doesn't mean we can't reach out and help other people good worse point. off than ourselves. Good, good, good you point. Know? Good point. Yeah. And particularly and, and at Christmas yeah. time, this is particularly, where we should... give me, give me that Christmas spirit that yeah. I grew up with, you know, that we would have grown up with the innocence of Santa Claus. That was the Christmas spirit, really. That lovely innocence that children have, believing in something like a Santa mm. Claus. And, and you know, neighbours, I guess, as well, Joan. Neighbours and... coming in and, you know, having the crack and Stephen's day, having a bit of a dance on the flag floor and, you know, dressing up and painting the faces. And I used to be terrified of them all. <laughs> and uh, one of them had always pulled me out on the floor to dance. I must have seen it, uh, Perspective dancer in the evening in those days. <laughs> I was always the one dragged out to dance, and sure, I loved it, but I was terrified. Your man, like, you know, but yeah. uh, I danced away anyway because it's what you're done, but we had some fantastic times. Let, let, let me put something to you. On. Let me put something to you quickly, which is kind of unfair in some way. But a favourite Christmas, if I was to say that to you quickly, what springs to mind? What, what memory springs to mind? <sighs> favourite Christmas. I was wanted a particular doll and I was looking at it for weeks. Brennan's shop in the Commons where I grew up. Mrs. Brennan, God rest her soul, now her husband. Uh, they had a grocer's shop and she had the post office and she used to have toys for Christmas in the window. And my face would be stuck to the window admiring this particular doll and wishing and wishing for the doll. And one Christmas I got that doll. And I had that doll into my teens and played with that doll did well you? into my teens. I did indeed. And you can and still remember that because I didn't I give you any notice that of that question and you no. just came up with that straight away. No, yeah. I came up with that and I always remember, I used to read a lot and I still read quite a lot. And um, I remember having a book that I got from an aunt of mine in England. It was a story about Coppelia and Coppelia was a ballet dancer and dancing again comes into it, mm. of course, when you're me. And I call my doll Coppelia. And I've never forgotten that doll, actually. And I found that doll many years later out in the shed at home. And it was all, they were, it was made of, um, I'm trying to think what it made. But anyway, the weather had destroyed the doll. Oh. And even then, as an adult, I was heartbroken. My mother had thrown it out in the shed. What a shame. Capilia. But anyway, there's my, my beautiful Capilia, yes. Is, and the weather had weathered it and destroyed it. Oh, I'd love to have had it. Yeah. Are you going dancing over Christmas, Joan? Are you getting um, Not that much now, hmm. I think. I do a lot of Acadian dancing. Yes. Probably be in the new year, please God, I'll year. be back again. Yeah, I well, will indeed. Well, yeah, Joan, we wish we wish you the very, very best. Uh, happy Christmas to you, and thank you for and your time you. today, Joan. You thank and you. yours. Not thank at you. all, friends. Bye-bye, thank those. You, Bye-bye friends. now. Bye-bye. Thank you. That's Joan speaking for today with some lovely memories as well as everything else. I'll be right back. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. 
Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Ireland's Children's uh, Hospice, Laura Lynn, have launched their annual Christmas Appeal. It's a nationwide service and supports lots of families uh, across Tipperary as well. And I'm delighted to be joined now by Sarah O'Callaghan, who is Head of Marketing and Communications at Laura Lynn. Sarah, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran, and thank you very much for having me on today. You're very welcome indeed, and we all appreciate the wonderful work that Laura Lynn does. Will you just explain to us really what, what you do exactly? Okay. Well, Laura Lynn is the only children's hospice in Ireland. Um, we're based in Dublin, but we provide a service uh, across the 26 counties. And when I say we're based in Dublin, that's where our physical hospice building is, uh, where we have eight rooms to care for children on short breaks, having symptom management, um, or indeed at end of life. Um, but then we also have accommodation for families there and a range of multidisciplinary team to meet the needs of the child and the family. And it's, it's from a very exciting point of view, this year we expanded our service and we now have a satellite service serving Cork and Kerry and providing care in the home. Which I'm sure is uh, fantastic for people in, in very unfortunate and tragic situations as, as well. Funding, of course, is completely necessary and important. Will you tell me about your Christmas appeal, Sarah? Yes, our Christmas appeal this year features, features the McCormick's family uh, and their baby, Grace, who lived for just 18 precious days. But during that time, they received care and support from Laura Lynn and they would say themselves that that enabled them to really live those days with Grace as a family to do, I suppose, some of the things that the rest of us take for granted. Um, And in doing that, they created very special moments and now they are really precious memories for the family. Um, And for, for all of us now who are getting to meet Grace through this Christmas appeal, the family really feel that what they received was vital for them it was the difference um, that nobody could describe. And they want to make sure that for other children and families, that, that service, that support is there for them. And it's a lovely way to remember Grace uh, as well. How can people in Tipperary help out? So it's very easy. Um, all you have to do is log on to lauralin.ie forward slash grace and make a donation there. It can be a one-off or a, or a regular donation. Um, and we are conscious at this time that everybody is under a little bit of financial pressure uh, and we have amazing support from the people of Tipperary so I would like to say huge thank you for that. Um, but any little bit that people can do makes a huge difference. I'm sure it does indeed. Well, as I say, congratulations on all the wonderful work, Sarah, because it can't be easy work, you know? I mean, you're you're dealing with families at a very vulnerable, difficult time of their lives. Well, to be honest, man, it, it is a privilege to be able to, I suppose, support families at this time. Children at the end of the day, even when they're very sick, they just want the normal things that children want, uh, like fun and friendship. And I suppose we get that chance to support families, not just in providing what they need medically, but all this range of other activities and therapeutic supports like 
play therapy, like music therapy, where people can channel their emotional emotions. Even children can channel their emotions uh, and understand what's happening in the life through this medium of play and music and kind of normality, you know. So it's a huge privilege, um, but I would like to recognise the staff in the hospice, on the ground, in the community teams in Dublin and in Cork and Kerry. They do amazing, amazing work. Sarah, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Good morning to you. Thank you and happy Christmas. And many happy returns to you as well. That's Sarah O'Callaghan there, who's head of marketing and communications with uh, the Laura Lynn uh, Foundation there. It's laurelynn.com if you want to uh, help them out. 083 311 And you can speak to Emma for free. 1800 938 007. William joins me now. William, good morning to you. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to talk to you today. Um, you want to comment on our chat uh, to Australia earlier on, William? Yeah, um, I, I suppose it's the, the point that I'm making is it's, it's unfortunate that any family members have to go to foreign countries to earn a living. But Ireland is such a small country, like, we don't have we don't have all the jobs for all the people that are coming out of colleges and trying to make their way in life. We just don't have the population. Our population is not even the size of Melbourne. Mm-hmm. We're only, what are we, five million? About that, yeah. A little and more, yeah. That's, that's, uh, their population is only, we're only a dot in the, in the little world. Like, our population in Ireland isn't even as big as Manchester. Mm-hmm. So we don't have enough. Like, if we want to build at the same rate of um, Australia, we're going to have to get a lot of multinational companies coming in um, to start our companies in Ireland to create employment. Like, we won't be able to create enough employment on our own. I think that's probably fairly, mm. you know, f- fairly simple, I think, for most people to understand. Is but we the, just interesting, don't have it. the interesting thing, William, is that, you know, we, we, we need doctors, we need nurses, we, we are training them, and we need teachers. And again, we are training them, but they choose then, because of the situation here, to leave. Yeah, we probably have the best... Uh, educational system in the world because we seem to be flying people to every part of it yeah. for, for employment. Yeah. Um, so people can't criticise our, our education because um, no matter where you go in the world, some of Irish people are, are leading some of the biggest companies. Are, That's they're, for sure. Yeah. They're some of the best doctors. You know, they're, yeah. But we have, if you go to all our hospitals, like we have very few Irish doctors in hospitals. Most of our doctors are all from India and probably Pakistan and those areas. Yeah. And we're delighted to have them because we can't get our own to to stay here. We can't get them all to stay. No, we can't keep them. Uh, they can but, earn but does, money does in, that in greener not, fields. Does that not argue against your, your, your own point, which is you're saying that, you know, well, we can't supply jobs for it. We, we can, but they can't live here. They can't afford a house here. They will, probably wouldn't get a mortgage. And where do you get rental property? Yeah, that, that's that's true. But if you just pick up and just walk away from that, picking up on Neil's point there where he said... Um, over in Australia, he said, okay, if you want to go over, you're going to go for one or two years. Mm. But if you want to socialise, rent is very dear. Uh, you know, he didn't say everything is cheap over in Australia. But if you want to put in the hours and stay at home, you'll make your money. But you'll probably say the same for Ireland. If people stayed in in Ireland, they'd probably put money away together. But we, do you know what I mean? Everyone has to have a social life. 
Yeah, even though Neil did indicate that he's being paid very well over there, you know. Yeah, look, we know from people who went to Australia is the, the money is, if you're in certain employments, um, the, the money in Australia or in any Canada, yeah. America, any country, the money is, is fantastic. But you'll probably put in the hours into it. He has said he stepped up the ladder and he has now gone to management. Um, mm. I'd say probably a lot of people in Ireland have went up management companies, probably started on the ground floor. And if they have the initiative to get to the top, they'll get there. But yeah, it's, it's inter- and are you making the point that maybe we'd have more initiative and more of a work ethic when we're abroad, do you think? Well, I think probably the one thing is it, it stands to the country you're from that Ireland has a huge reputation. And I think anyone that has done well in Australia, Ireland has carried them, you know, the name of Ireland, you're from Ireland. Um, they know the way the Irish education through the colleges, they've all done very well for themselves. And they seem to be because of where they're from and their ability, they seem to get up that ladder much faster. Mm. Well, we, we certainly seem to be more charming and we're, we we fit in kind of easily in other places. That's that's what it's always struck very, me as it, over the years it, anyway. I, you know? I think any Irish people has ever went out in employment, they're, they're, they're also rated to be very trustworthy. Mm. And that's, it, it's good for our nation that people are looked upon in, in, in that way and, and have done very well for themselves. But in Ireland, you can say, look, he's the very same in Australia. Your rental things, your rental money is dear. Mm. OK, they're paid good wages. So does that mean then that the wage structure in Ireland would, in companies would have to change? And would they, would they survive if they, if they well, had higher payments? Yeah. Well, you, you see, I mean, OK, if we go back to housing and rental houses and, and to buy houses and all of that, that's all about supply. And what's, what's happening at the moment is we don't have the supply. And, and that's driving prices up. So you have to go back to the government on, on that, William, do you not? Yeah, I would have to agree. Like so, social housing, but there's a lot of like Tumal Boris. I think has nearly between forty and fifty houses being built at the moment. Some mm, of them are social yeah. and some of them are private. Yeah. Um, but if you went to buy private houses, by the time they have the property bought and the planning applications in and the houses up, you're looking at a house probably costing three to three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, yeah. If you want to have a decent house. Um, I don't know what the houses were, but Tuman Burris is probably one of the biggest villages I've ever seen to develop over the last 10 years. Um, there has been a lot of houses built, a lot of families put into it. And, and that, yeah, I'm uh, just using that as an example. Uh, absolutely, and we, we hear great things about that, and that's all fine. But say, if you take us as a nation, we have huge issues, like with. with yeah, we have what seemingly with, with um, yeah. social housing, and probably people, young people who want to live in Ireland, build their house. The, the, the problem is they have to try and get um, mortgages through. Yeah. Um, that seems to be a lot of people are trying to build. Their and own to go houses. back to your initial point, William, do you think we need to stop? Uh, I, am I I'm paraphrasing you now? Or do we need to stop whinging a little bit and get on with it? Is that kind of what you're saying to me? Look, there's a lot of it. Um, some people, in fairness, do have a genuine reason to be uh, critical or to have a whinging point, if you want to put it that way. But then there's other people just whinging just for the sake of it. Right. And let's call a spade a spade. It's, uh, you know, I've, I heard people talking of there's, there's, there's no money going, but if you drive all around and you see all the houses are lit up for Christmas, um, um, I don't think they should be worrying about electricity payments because uh, the houses have been lit for the last three, four weeks. Right. So there's no problem with electricity when you're flying those lights. And they're in every village and town in Ireland, um, houses lit, lit up at, at enormous rates. Right, but you know, with the cost of energy, the cost of cost of living, uh, all of running a car, whatever it is, now there, there are people out there who are to the pin of their collar. Would you not think? Or oh yeah, yeah, 
Yeah. Um, there's, there's no doubt about that. And, you know, no matter what support you bring out, people will still be probably under pressure. Um, as a structure, probably Ireland does have to change itself. Um, what way you're going to change it is probably going to be the biggest thing. And, and if you did change it, are you going to be a popular person in the world? No matter what you do in making a decision, you're probably going to be wrong. Mm. Um, if you give out something that say that you're you're giving it out free because you're looking for votes, and if you don't give it out, then you're you're trying to hold on to it for yourself. So you can't win, is that what you're saying? You're not you? going to win no matter what you do. But I suppose the one thing you'd like to see in any government is and is that they they're they're trying to do the right thing. I think would be the most important thing for any government to do. But at the end of the day, you're not going to be popular no matter what, whatever angle you're at. Right, they're, they're trying to do the right thing but have they the ability do you think to do the right thing because as you say they're trying to balance populism with what's pragmatic and what's the right thing to do I suppose I I think if you wanted to balance populism with uh, with the state of the country you're going down the wrong road Um, you have no matter what you're doing is that the state is like a business and if you don't run it like a business you're not going to survive you're not going to live you're going to go underwater and that's what we what happened is in the Celtic Tiger we were spend, 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 spend until we ran out and then bricks were to the wall and you know what happened the whole country crashed so do, if we go down that road again we're going back to, we're going back to that scenario again so you have to have a little bit of a bit of sense in what you're doing and, and do the do the right thing, make sure it's economically viable to do it as well. Right. Well, well, you know what the story is at the moment. I mean, you know, we're able to do what we're doing because of the corporation tax. And for whatever reason, if that ever falls apart, we'll be in pretty, pretty stormy we'll be dire, water, won't we? We would. Yeah, yeah corporation, the, the multinational companies that are in, that have come into Ireland and you know, there was a battle that we should be charging more corporation tax on them. But if you did, took one or two of them companies out of Ireland, we'd even be in trouble. Like Intel have, what have they, they because they're 40,000 people employed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that's just one company. Um, losing Apple above in Galway in Tume just over a planning application was absolutely stupendous at the time. Yeah, so, like, it's it's volatile, isn't it? You know, like, we're, get, is, we're getting by, but are you saying the rug could be pulled out from under us? I don't think the rug would be pulled out. I think most of them companies are, okay, they're, they're, making, they're making good profits, but they're also creating tons of employment for us as well, and mm. that's, that's fierce and important. But I probably think what most people are angry is, is, is the waste, maybe, that we have, that we haven't tightened up on. And that's probably the one thing that every one of us could be critical on, and that's the amount of money that we're wait, wasting in the, in the HSC. And, and, and I think that's where people probably see the most pain, is that they're looking for hospital appointments, but mm. we're spending money probably stupidly. Stu- and that's stupidly prob- answered, yes. We're probably we're too top-heavy in, in wages in the HSC, and, and we're not coming down to the ground floor. Mm. But going to the, the doctors and stuff, is it's sad to see our, our doctors being educated in the... In the in third level education and bringing out their their, uh, their masters and everything and they head to another country to get yes. employment and, and they uh, won't stay in the country that they got And they're education. being educated here with a lot of help from the taxpayer, you know, yeah. and, and, and then we don't have the benefit of their expertise no. The, no. which is such a pity um, Lovely to talk to you, William, and, and a happy Christmas to you. And many happy returns All right, Really good to talk to you today, thank you, bye bye to you now What do you make of that? 1800 News is on the way Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 
Tip Today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. Your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Good morning, good Pat, and uh, welcome back to Tip Today. Now our prize, €500. Euro. It's a nice one. Wouldn't it be a great win, uh, particularly on this week, I suppose. Uh, we're doing this in association with our good friends at Hall Alarms. They're celebrating 40 years in business, all the way back to 1982. We're looking for a finalist today. We'll give away the €500 Euro on uh, this coming Friday. And uh, you know the story at this stage. We're playing you a theme from a TV show from the year 1982. And if you can uh, if you can recognise it, all you have to do is text us 83 311 Give us the name of the TV show along with your details. Here it is. Now, it's not Mission Impossible, it's not Equalizer. A lot of people on to us today about uh, the Equalizer. It's not that either, OK? So 83 311 We'll choose the finalists before uh, we wind up the, uh, the show today. Now, as you know, we're with you every single weekday morning from 9 o'clock and uh, we spent uh, the first hour this morning speaking to uh, Tipperary expats uh, abroad this Christmas. Tara spoke to us about Adelaide in Australia and explained how she will be celebrating Christmas down under uh, this year. Here's a little bit of what she had to say to us just after 9 o'clock this morning. I'm hosting Christmas at my house so it would be traditional like turkey and ham and um, then because Australians they like their um, seafood so we'll just have some uh, prawns and oysters so to mix it up a bit. Um, we won't have any soup on the day. But not like Ireland when you have your mate, your starches as a soup. Yes. <laughs> or a hot whiskey. Right. But the soup isn't uh, appreciated out there, is it? No, not in the hot weather. <laughs> People would look at you and go, oh my God, what are you serving me soup for? There's probably about 10 of us and wow. then whoever will call in for a drink on the way as well. So it's the open house here at Sodium. So anyone, all is welcome. Very good. They can yeah. come in and have a cup of tea or a glass of wine. And will you do, I mean, will you eat outside as well? You see, we have all of these preconceptions that, you know, uh, the barbie out the back and uh, drinking cans of beer out the back. Is that, is, is that the way it is? It is. Like, some people, like, um, so if you, like, live near, like, the river or the beach, like, it is a barbie out the back. And um, it's pretty pretty low-key. It's, like, as I said, fish, bit of of a barbie um, they call sausages snags here it's like a snag on the barbie and yeah it's pretty crazy like you know it's just a family get together and it's like drinking western cans or northern ca- northern territory cans of beer or whatever it's like those they're both on the day but ours is pretty traditional like <laughs> so it's good and that's Tara speaking to us from Adelaide on the programme uh, in the first hour uh, this morning. We're on air every single weekday morning from 9 o'clock. Now, one of the things I look forward to around this time of year is some correspondence from my friend uh, Murish Walsh, uh, because he kind of looks back in great detail and great style, indeed, on the year that was. And I'm delighted to say that Murish is with me in studio. Good morning to you, Murish. Morning, Frank. And uh, thanks for coming in to me today. Will you tell me about the genesis of this? You started doing this about when? About 10 years ago, 
Uh, it's a list of the year. It's just kind of, I put the moment, the joy, the sorrow, the book, the TV program. Uh, it's when I got sick first. Um, and uh, I used to keep a diary. And uh, I found that I couldn't, you know, my I wasn't able to articulate it into a diary. So I was down in my mother-in-law and father-in-law's house in Cork and it was on New Year's Eve. And I just started writing down different things that happened during the year from memory and I sent it to one or two people and, and it, was, it was basically sports based and they said God that's brilliant and it's, it has grown from there and just friends like yourself and acquaintances I send it to people and the list just gets bigger and bigger and bigger now my memory is not that good that I can sit down kind of last Friday night and write it all down but as certain things happen during the year I just I write it down and remember it, but I'd have to edit it, and then I'd have to formulate it, put it in a mm-hmm. in a proper way that kind of you deal with the big issues first, and then you kind of go down through it, and you t- maybe deal with celebrity deaths, and then sport and music and different things that are personal to me that some people wouldn't get. Yes, yeah. you know. But then there'd be other things that, like one person said to me, I had to Google a couple of names, like for instance, the, one of my favourite ever films was The Last Picture Show, mm. and the, the director of that film died this year, and I just put down The Last Picture Show, Peter Jacobin, you know. So that's that. that was the genesis of it, and I do it every year, and a couple of times people have said to me, hey, you never sent me on the list, yes. you know? <laughs> and I, I think it's just a thing where I just hope that people would just kind of sit down, you know, have a cup of coffee and a mince pie and just, you know, it takes 10 minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes to, to read through Yeah, it. but I think it's fantastic because, I mean, it jogged my memory so much and, that, yeah. and that's what it's about, isn't it? Really? It is, you know? yeah, yeah. And it's not, it, it doesn't go into any great detail. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like, it's just kind of, you know, the album, you know. Well, you, you're completely associated with uh, sport here, I, yeah. I suppose, from your, your broadcasting yeah. days, Murray. So let's let's start with uh, a sport. Yeah, well, I had written down here the greatest, Lester Piggott. I suppose yeah. Lester, I mean, you don't have to be into horse racing to know who Lester Piggott was. Um, he was probably the greatest flat racing jockey of all time. Um, obviously, he would be associated with Vincent O'Brien out in Rose Green and Bally Doyle and, of course, with Cool Moore. And a friend of mine who knows an awful lot about horse racing, I asked him one time who was the greatest jockey of all time. And he said he'd have to say Lester Piggott because he said that um, Lester Piggott never lost the classic he should have won. Wow, that's a big statement. So I felt that summed it up for me, you know. Then I suppose the past is Paddy Maher. I think the shock of Paddy having to retire. um, Probably one of the greatest Tipperary hurlers in my lifetime that I've ever seen. Um, A colossus of a man. You know, we all had visions of Paddy playing hurling until he was 40 for, you know, Torres Sarsfields Juniors and for him to have to retire from all hurling I thought was a great tragedy but what a legacy what a legacy and and I mean not to miss a championship match for Tipperary I mean his record was unbelievable and I'm in the middle of of, of reading his book Mm -hmm. at the moment and and a a very humble guy as well and I think I think when 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 you know I've always said I've said it to you I've said it to Ronan you know I didn't see Jimmy Doyle or John Doyle or Christy Ring and I've no doubt or Mackie and Laurie Marr I've no doubt they were absolutely superb players but I've always made the point that we shouldn't be burdened with that the next generation that we'll never see the likes of them again I don't think that's a correct statement 
we, you know, mm. we've ha- we, I've seen Henry Shefflin, I've seen DJ Carey, I've seen Paddy Maher, I've seen Brendan Maher, I've seen Noel McGrath, I've seen some of the great, great hurlers of, I've, you know, I saw Jimmy Barry Murphy, I saw Charlie McCarthy, I've seen someone, you know, David mm. Clifford. I thought he was the man of the year in terms of what he did for, you know. Yes. You know. Is that very unfair? Because we see the 50s and 60s as the golden era of hurling and that nothing will ever touch it and stuff. Yeah, is well, it, I, you see, well, I wasn't around, so I mm. can't comment on it. Mm. I mean, my father, he, he'd be 101 now if he were alive. I mean, he, he, he went to his grave saying, I mean, there was two things. You could say anything you liked in my house. You couldn't say a bad word about Jimmy Doyle. Could you? No, that was it. He just couldn't. Right. Jimmy Doyle was a god. He was a god, yeah. He was a god, right. Yeah. And my father went to his went to his eternal reward in 2005 saying there'll never be another Harlan team like the tip team in the 60s. Yeah. Now, yeah. now if he had lived another 10 years, maybe he might have a different view. But it's it's like the thing with Ronaldo and Messi. And, you know, to me, the greatest soccer player I ever saw was Diego Maradona. But that's just my opinion. But I didn't see Pele. Right. I didn't see Bobby Charlton. I didn't yes. see Puskas. You know, so so it's it, generational. Is that what you're saying? To yeah, me, it's really? generational. I think yeah. it is. I think yeah. it is. I mean, people saying you know Messi is the greatest of all time. Yeah, he is one of the greatest of all time. But I mean, uh, like it's a bit like saying you know Joyce or Yates. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lennon yeah. or McCartney. You can't. You can't. You can't. You, sure you know, you can't. You can't, yeah. you can't. Yeah, it's you like know. somebody making the point. In fact, and it caused a lot of controversy the other day after the World Cup final, saying it was one of the greatest games, not just World Cup games, the greatest games of all time, which was like a huge statement. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think just to finish on the sport. Mm. I mean, I suppose I have two other things written down here. I suppose the tragic death of Dylan Quirk. Yeah. Uh, that was a tragedy. Um, you know, I mean, such a young, vibrant life. Uh, I heard his dad on with Ron on Monday night, yeah. and, and Dan was a fine horror himself. And every picture you see of Dylan, he was uh, smiling. I, I had him down on my list as the number eleven because that iconic picture of him with the Harley up. I think that was it's an incredible picture. Yeah, and it was just it's it's. I think in the iconography of of sport pictures it's one of the greatest i've ever seen mm. and i stand over that statement yes that's the one with his hurtly with his name on it, yeah, it? yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I, I, it, it, it's just an amazing yeah. and i suppose to finish on the sport on a high note i mean i have down the finish i mean the all Ireland minor final and paddy mccormick's goal yeah i mean it was just it was amazing even talking about it now i'm getting shivers you know, because it wasn't a great year for us on the intercounty scene. Uh, let's be honest about it, uh, Harlem-wise. And that was a fantastic moment. And I suppose I had down as the performance, you know, both sides of sport very quickly. I had down as the performance, Clamwell Commercials, my own GA club against Nemo Rangers, they were absolutely outstanding. Yes. And then I had written down as the disappointment, their performance against Newcastle West. Yeah. And that's, 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 the, that's the way it goes. You, yeah. yeah, you have to mention the woman as well, haven't you? Pardon? You have to mention the woman, Rachel. Yeah, or Rachel Blackmore. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She, yeah. I mean, Rachel Blackmore was. I, I, I just. I mean, look, I, 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 I don't know a whole pile about horse racing, but I mean, I mean, horse racing is the one sport where women compete with men on a com- on a, on an equal footing. You know, and it is a very, very, very yes. dangerous sport. And she takes. To, I mean, what I can't get over is, is the the knocks, the falls. She gets up. She's she gets going. And you know, with a great jockey there, Davy Russell mm. retiring there last week. But I had my list out by then. But I mean, Rachel Blackmore. I mean, I, I I'm well. I I hope I'm around. If another female jockey, wherever. 
the fact that she's from Kilnall is is, is great. Yes, it's just, yeah. Yeah. And I suppose just for me, just very quickly, just mm. the joy for me this year was the birth of my uh, of my grandniece Mia Sinwin Daly, my oldest nephew Hugh Daly um, himself and his wife, who's German. They had a little baby girl on the fourth of December. So that's that's a personal thing that's in the list for me. You know, and uh, excellent, and and that's a huge part of the list as well. Um, we lost, we lost some some amazing people too. Didn't ah, we, we do. Yeah. Like I suppose Dennis, yeah, Dennis O'Sullivan. Yeah, I, I called him the artistic director. I didn't know whether to say the solid gold Sunday or the, <laughs> or the artistic yes. director. Um, I went for the artistic director. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, Dennis was first of all, he was a great friend, great friend to you, great friend to me. Fabulous broadcaster, great actor, great, as I said, we had a lovely programme dedicated to him, great comedic timing. And the one thing I forgot to mention about Dennis that day uh, was that, you know, not every child uh, is into sport. Hmm. You know, and uh, Dennis was one of these people... um, you know, uh, along with Mary Cummins and that, and you know Danny Carroll and Banachlamalaj, which I was in, um, they gave children an alternative. You know that to do, they could act. They Great could point. Perform that the arts was a, they made the arts accessible to them. You know mm. because you know like you know everyone has a you know, they have a boy or, you know, oh, he'll hurl for Tipperary or a girl and they'll play camogie for Tipperary. Mm. But not every child is into sport, mm. you know. And uh, so it's, and, and that was one of Dennis's great strengths. Now, I know Dennis was big into motorsport and he was big into his fishing. But, um, but yeah, we lost, we lost Dennis. Uh, I think we lost a great politician in Clonmel in Sean Nyhan. Yeah. Served as the town of Clonmel and Tipperary, South Tipperary in particular, I, I felt he was a, um, an absolutely fantastic uh, local representative. And, and I always remember my father gave me a piece of advice one time when I, my first time I voted was the 1985 local elections. And he said, if you can't see the person with a chain around their neck, don't vote for them. What he meant was, if you can't see him as a mayor, okay, don't vote for him. That's a good piece of advice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I, I always felt... Whatever your politics was, yes. let's not talk about that. But whatever your politics was, someone like uh, Sean Nyhan was a safe pair of hands. You know, when he had the morality for three or four times, he was he represented the town really, really well, as others have yes. you know, before and, and since. But uh, Sean was a was a great public representative. Um, I suppose I I have to talk about the little blue hero in Danny Norris out in Ballymacarbury. Uh, seven years of age, courageous, um, uh, courageous young boy. Um, parents, uh, his parents, Lara and Lisa, uh, just very dignified. Mm. Um, you know, and Danny passed away there a few weeks ago, and they battled hard to get him home. It was people power got him home, and he had a lovely final week at home with his brothers or with his family and um, 
you know, it was very, very, very sad. But imagine they had to battle to have that. Yeah, it's 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 a stain, yeah. isn't it? Really, isn't it just? Isn't, isn't it? it you know, and yeah. but, and uh, I suppose the other one then, I suppose is the one for me, celebrity wise, would be Christy McVie. Yeah, I have a friend down in Kilkenny, John Sheehy. I hope he's listening. Hi, John. Happy Christmas to you. And uh, I enjoy John's company, but I dread some of the texts I get from John because. <laughs> It's always about a passing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's oh, well, it's you know, yeah. Christy yeah. McPhee. I mean, he, he sent me a text there that Charlie Watts's uh, wife died, mm. and I haven't gotten back to you, John, about that. Sorry, but Christy McPhee, I suppose, for me, uh, I I I went backwards with Fleetwood Mac because I came to Fleetwood Mac with rumours mm. because of my older brother Owen. Yeah, but then I went back to Peter Green. Right. The original... Uh, y- yeah, like, the original yeah, Fleetwood yeah. Mac. And, I mean, what a band. Oh, stop. I mean, and I mean, Christy McVie, I mean, her maiden name was perfect. And, I mean, what a... What a... An appropriate surname. Mm. You know, I mean, she was a perfect singer, perfect keyboard player. I mean, I watched a couple of documentaries that were on about them, and, I mean, they were very... Uh, it was chaotic, mm. you know. God, to say the very least, yeah. you know. But, but a lot of the spotlight is on Stevie Nicks all the time, though. Yeah, and we forget about and we and we forget about her, you yeah. know. And uh, just one other thing, I just want to say about you know, I'm a Beatles fan, and the gig for me was Paul McCartney, Glastonbury. Yeah. I just thought it was magnificent. Eighty years of age, it's incredible. Now there's a lot of guys. We re- re- we reward mediocrity <laughs> too handsomely. Fran. <laughs> I have a feeling he's winding up to something though. Indeed we do. Right, yes. okay. Uh, and, uh, and there's a lot of people out there who won't be doing at 80, they won't be doing it at 60 mm. what, what uh, Paul McCartney did. But we're talking about music. I want to say two things. My album of the year was Jesse Buckley and mm. Bernard Butler's album. Mm. Absolutely fantastic. Of course, Jesse's from Kerry, but she went to school in, in Turles. And it's a beautiful album for anyone who hasn't uh, hasn't heard it. But I have to say, I put down, and I, I hope I don't offend anybody, but I called it musical waterboarding. Okay. Imelda May and Glenn Hansard last Friday night in the Late Late Show and Fairy Tale in New York. Now, I was in with you here few weeks ago talking about the Poppy and Watts and Matilda and Liam Clancy and I was there just leave it alone I mean Fairy Tale in New York like it's it's one of the greatest songs ever written Christmas whatever okay mm. now I'm a huge Planksty fan I'm not a Christy Moore fan mm. even though Planksty came out of Prosperous yeah even Christy Moore's take on it which was released around 1989-1990 is it's I mean I, I, I mean, I said to you one time in private, I, I don't blame Ronan Keaton for recording it. I blame the people who allowed him to do it. Yes. And I, 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 I met him and Glenn Hansard. To do that, it was horrific. Mm. It was, and I, as I Did said... Did you see I, the Twitter outpouring about I, it? I, yeah, my wife showed it to me. Yeah, yeah it, was, it was dreadful. And I mean, who, whoever thought that was a good idea. I mean, I was talking to a, a, a friend of mine and she made a very good point to me. She said, and she was serious and I agree with her. She said, there should be certain should be certain songs, there should be some sort of copyright law there that you're not allowed reco- people just, you're not allowed <laughs> do a version of that song it's it's done, it's finished with, because like I mean, if, if I were to say to you, and I'm not going to get into it, but if I were to say to you, give me ten covers that are better than the original Ooh, you'd be hard pressed, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. 
you know, I mean, another song that's apps that falls into that category is Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. I mean, gotcha. you know, I'm just, just murdered by everybody. You just stop. Just, yes. <laughs> just stop. Stop please, doing it. Please, you know. Um, all right, moving swiftly on. Um, what else musically do you, do you want to? Uh, I suppose musically, uh, I, I suppose, um, I, I, you know, I, I hear your uh, your quiz there. I, I know the answer, but I won't. Mm. I won't. I won't give it out. Um, I suppose one of the things for me was just. It's not musically, but it's to do with broadcasting and Val Joyce. Ah, oh, yeah. In the late days. Oh, I'm so sorry to hear it. Yeah. I mean, he was. I loved him. Yeah, he was a f- fantastic. Broadcaster, yeah. yeah, he was brilliant, yeah. and there were. And you know, and airs and races and all that. Mm. There was some of those. Uh, I suppose um, I wasn't a Foo Fighters fan, but I suppose Taylor Hawkins dying yeah. was a typical rock and roll death. I suppose that was very, very sad. I was delighted to see you highlighted uh, Judith Durham of the Seekers, though. Yes, what a singer! I mean, oh, what know, a voice! Uh, completely underrated, I think. But, yeah, you know. yeah, and and you know, and obviously, like to me, I suppose. That's the thing. Like some people would have to Google her name, yeah, you know, yeah. and that's that's the whole point of it. That she was a fantastic singer. I mean, the same way with Ronnie Spector. I mean, you know, Betty Davis as well, yeah. the R and B singer. And Jerry Lee. Jer- oh, sure. The man. I mean, someone said to me, "Why didn't you? Why didn't you put down the killer?" You know, and I said, <laughs> uh, "I didn't." Yes, I <laughs> you know, but I mean, you know, and like, but I mean, like, be my baby. Yeah. Is probably one of the. If I if I was to put twenty of my favorite songs down on a list, would you? That that would be in there. Yeah, it, it would be. Yeah, it probably would be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, that's why I had Ronnie. I had Ronnie Spector in there. And uh, I suppose you know, the composer is Stephen J. Lawrence. And the reason why I put him in yeah. there, and there was a few composers that died, was because it was just very simple. He wrote the music to Sesame Street. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. As well as other movies. Right. But everyone knows the music to, to Sesame, Sesame Street. Street. Well, if you're you of a certain age. Street, yeah. yeah, and uh, it I was, didn't know that he wrote that. Actually. Yeah, and it was the part of it was a real part of my childhood. The other one I just want to briefly mention is the spoon salesman Bernard Cribbins, the actor. Right. And I'm a huge John Cleese fan. Yeah. And the scene in Faulty Towers where the hotel inspector, he thinks that Bernard Cribbins is the hotel inspector, but he's actually a spoon salesman. <laughs> so that's where, that, that's where that came from. Very good indeed. We're, we're just about out of time, but I, I'm delighted you put in the apology, which is Donald DeRoche, because I don't think there's enough been made no. of that. And no. how profound that was. That had as an awful, closure of some yeah, form. Yeah, it had an awful effect in his life. I yeah. mean, uh, it's, you know, I'm glad you spoke about in your programme. Yeah. I mean, it, you go back to 1969 and, and it, was, it was terrible what happened to yeah. him. You dreadful. Know? Dreadful. He was and, a and, scapegoat, you know. He was, he was. Just two very things. Um, yeah. The friary being, the friars leaving Clonmel oh, yeah. after 753 years. Uh I want to just, on a personal level again, just pride in my own club, Clonmel Town, taking in the refugees from the Ukraine. And the last thing, and I just want to mention this, was that, and it was it was a bit ironic. Uh, we had to put down one of, we had to put down my daughter's dog Millie, and we had Millie for the last five. Or st- my my daughter bought the dog out of her confirmation money, and we had to put her down. Oh, and I cried the whole way home. Oh, and a couple of days later, you had someone on. That's right. Yeah. Talking about 
grief and dogs and, and, and all of that. And um, very, very sad. And for anybody that has lost an, you know, a pet like that, it is like losing a member of the family. You can replace a dog. Yes. But it, it, there is something very, very sad about Absolutely. it. Absolutely. We're, 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 as usual, when you and I begin to talk, we're way over time. But you did want to mention the Queen. and uh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anybody alive remembers anyone else on the throne? <laughs> on the throne. <laughs> yes. I did. I, I, I just, look, I'm not a royalist, but um, I, I, I felt she was a marvellous woman. I mean, yeah. to, 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 I called her the constant. Uh, I mean, the, the dignified way she went, I mean, you can talk about the royal family and it, whether it's good, bad and different, but just for her as a human being, uh, the way she conducted herself, um, the way she, uh, her sense of duty, I thought was absolutely, I always was amazing. You and I are, ne- are not going to see another queen. That's, mm-hmm. you know, unless something remarkable happens. Mm-hmm. Whether, the, whether the, royal, the royal family, whether the crown as we know it survives, is yet mm-hmm. to be seen. But I, I, I think that it was, a, it was a huge moment in 2022. And I mean, like, uh, let's not even go into the Prime Minister's thing <laughs> in the 44 days. But I just, I felt, I felt she was a remarkable woman, just as, an, as a woman as a human yeah, being, I yeah. just felt her, her sense of duty and the way she carried herself was was remarkable. And, and, and just re- Michal O'Mara, we have to mention Michal. Ah, uh, an officer and a gentleman, JJ yeah. Kendi. Yeah. yeah. Michal, great broadcaster here. Oh, fantastic. And Ingenuela, yeah. Yeah, Ingenuela. And I spoke to his son Vincent last night and I just said, a historian of GA, yeah, yeah. I have a couple of his books at home, yeah. but an absolute gentleman. And any time I met Michal, he had a quiet word he was softly spoken, mm. but you knew exactly where he stood yes. and where you stood with him. And if Michal didn't agree with something with you, uh, he didn't fall out with you. Yeah. He just made his point and that was it. But he was a fantastic yes. administrator. And I will say something that might be a little bit controversial. I don't think the South Board has quite recovered from his absence. Oh, there you go, and I'm delighted uh, that you speak so fondly of him because, uh, you know, gentleman is something that's thrown around the place, know, that, but yeah. it's the only description of, oh, it, yeah. of the him. And I suppose him and Dennis are the two gentlemen yeah. that we lost in 2022. Yeah. Real old school good guys, you know. That's for sure. Murish, uh, one of the good guys yourself. Great to see Thanks. you, and thank you, you very too, much, Dean. Happy Christmas to you and your family. Thank Thanks you so much. You. We'll take a break. Uh, news? Uh, no, <laughs> we'll just take a break. We'll be back with more in a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to uh, Tip Today. Now we have our competition close at this point and the theme music you were listening to was Night Rider and uh, lots of people getting that uh, correct. And our finalist in our Hall Alarm competition for today is Catherine Coughlin of Art Finnan. Well done to you, Catherine. You're into the big draw on Friday for that. 500 euro as we celebrate 40 years in business for Hall Alarms. Um, Shout out to Leanne who's travelling back from 
Australia today with her partner. And good wishes coming in from Oliver, who's in Ross Gray, and wishing her a very, very happy Christmas and best wishes for 2023 as well. Now, so far this morning, we've been, uh, well, we've been heading around the world to speak to Tipperary people in various places from the Loire Valley in France to uh, Melbourne uh, to uh, South Africa to Durban in South Africa as well. Let's go to New York City now and uh, Norbert Hennessy. Good morning to you, Norbert. Good morning, Fran. And uh, great to talk to you today and great to hear your voice as well. Um, I know that you're just fresh from a, a wonderful fundraiser. It's covered in The Nationalist today because you you, ne- <laughs> you never forget uh, home here. And that was a, a fundraiser for Tipperary, in fact, Norbert. Yes, that's, that's correct, actually. Uh, Fran, I was home in October and I visited the uh, Circle of Friends um, Centre and I was taken aback. I was absolutely taken aback by by uh, what I saw there and uh, the work that, that they're uh, uh, doing. I'm a cancer survivor myself, so it really hit home. And I decided... My uh, uh, birthday was uh, November the uh, 30th, so I figured maybe I'll run a fundraiser on on my on my birthday, and thankfully it worked out. So we raised two two thousand five hundred and thirty seven uh, dollars, which translated into two thousand four hundred and forty one euro, and. Several of friends got that, so I was, I was, I was, I was quite happy. I'm sure you were indeed. You had some very special guests on that night uh, as well. Oh yeah, it was. Uh, well, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't the main focus of of the night. It, it was a great night. It was the temporary hurling club. That, that's what you're talking about. Yes, yeah. it is. It is indeed. The Norbert, yes. that was held here. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. We had we had our guest of honor is uh, Roger Slattery. Roger was born here, but his family comes from uh, the was the Hollyford Kilcommon area. Mm. And of course, we had the Tipperary Cup out. We had the Irish Press Cup out, and we were delighted to have the Irish Press Cup out um, with 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 uh, team manager James Woodlock and. Uh, and the um, captain, uh, Sam O'Farrell. And the fact of they winning the cup the way they won it in Nolan Park with Paddy McCormick getting the, the goal in the, the last second of the game. And it was, it was, it was just enthralling. And I have lots of Offaly friends and Offaly were sure that they had that game. But anyway, that's the way it worked out. So we, we were delighted to have... To have um, to have them there, and also then we had a Toby Toby Cavanagh from Borussia. He was the Tip Man of the Year, and we had on 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 Hurley, the Junior Man of the Year, uh, from uh, uh, Feathered. He's back home now. He came out like for an internship here. He he he, he goes to the goes to the um, I guess the um, IT in uh, Waterford. Yes, and he, He's back pinching yes. his, his, his uh, degree now. And he hopes to return to New York when he has qualified. 
I, I'm, I'm always intrigued at the way that you've kept such an amount of a relationship with Tipperary, Norbert. Even with all your success out there, Tipperary has been vital to you all the years. Well, of course. I mean, we're from Tipperary. I'm, I'm very proud, a very proud, shronal man from yes. outside Tipperary town. And uh, yeah, well, the, the thing is, um, and we say when you're away, you keep in touch with with your uh, uh, roots. And like I was in the bar business for 27 years, and you know, always you know, people were coming out, and especially during the year that I was in the business, it, it was it, it was a kind of a pivotal period because with a lot of people, Ireland. A lot of people came out that wouldn't have come otherwise, except for the economy. The way the economy was, like like was in Ireland, mm. and um, we had we had lots out of that period. So, you know, you kind of connect with the Irish. If you have a, a, a business here, you you connect with the people that 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 would uh, come over, and you know, you may have contacts for them to get work or something like that, or accommodation or something so you know there's a great network here and you know talking about a network i just want to talk about astling irish center yes. which is here in uh yonkers and astling irish center was started by um it, it, it you know like like back in the, in the 90s there was a group of, of chaplains irish chaplains that came came out here um, during that period, because of, of immigration and so many, um, uh, I guess, youth here, mm. people that came out looking for like like for work, and um, the powers that be in in the hierarchy in Ireland decided to send out um, uh, with the chaplains here, and we had a number of temporary chaplains, if, if you like. We had um, we had. Um, Father Mickey Walsh, poor, poor Father Father Walsh has passed away. We had uh, Father Joe Delaney. We had Father John O'Neill. Uh, we had Brendan McBride from Donegal, and we had Father Martin Keevney from um, um, Sligo. But we also had um, Father Tommy Flynn, um, mm. who was here, and he started Tiernanov in the in the Bronx a little place in the Bronx for the healthy Irish Im- immigrants. And that graduated. It moved from St. Brendan's Parish in the Bronx up to McLean Avenue, which is the hub of the of the Irish now here in uh, New York. And it was a great vision of Father Tommy Flynn that he started the Irish Community Centre up on uh, McLean Avenue. I was down there on Saturday night and to see the work that's been done there and to see the, the support it gives to, the, which is not alone the Irish now, but to all ethnic uh, uh, groups, is to, go, is to go to a place if you're in trouble, if you're looking for a job, if you're looking for an apartment, if you're, look, if you're looking for support. And it's, 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 it's phenomenal what's going on down there. And Tommy might be listening to us because Tommy... Tommy is is a lay person now back in Clonmel. Mm. He left the priesthood. He's a lay person in Clonmel, and if 
Tommy Flynn is listening. I shout out to Tommy, and he should be very, very proud. He, I think he's living in Tombell, as I said, and he should be very, very proud of the legacy that he left here in in uh, uh, New York. Isn't that and a fantastic he, legacy indeed? And, and, and tell me this, Norbert, is it still necessary? I mean, we we imagine now that the kids going out to, to New York and places like that, that, you know, they're completely qualified and they're self-sufficient and all of that. But are there, is help still necessary to young people going out there? Absolutely. Is Absolutely. It? Yeah. It's, it's very, very, very much so because it, it's a terrible culture shock when you when you leave, and sometimes you leave maybe not under, you know, you, you, you're not sure where you're going, yeah. or, or yeah. you know, I mean, definitely, and you know, and um, the, the Irish, you know, just expanded um, the culture center, the Ashling culture center. It it's. It encompasses all national nationalities now, you know, and uh, it was great just to be down there to see it, to, to see the kids and 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 talk to the to the people in charge now. There's a there's a board of directors there now, and it's done very professionally. But the foundations I'm so proud of were mm. Tipperary, Tipperary born, you know, just. Just, just awesome, um, friend. To be honest, terrific, you know? isn't it? Tell me a little bit about Christmas over there, Norbert. Do you do you still celebrate in the traditional fashion as we would here? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, we do, uh, friend. But you know, th- Thanksgiving as well is very, very big here. Yes. And, um, you know, you know, it's funny. <laughs> just to go back to my bar days, back in the in eighty five, eighty six, and. People had just come out, and there were so many Irish here back then. And we closed down our bar, Hennessy headquarters, and uh, we, we, we closed it down for the day because people didn't know what Thanksgiving was or what it, it was all about, mm. the, the, the young Irish that came out. And we had turkeys coming from apartments upstairs in different buildings, <laughs> and we had... We had, we had, we had, we had, we had, we had we had uh, cabbages and parsnips made in in in, in thirteen gallon drums, and we had uh, mashed potatoes, and I mean, with all the trimmings and the whole lot, and and you know, it was a great time uh, for the people that that were looking for a home, if you like. So yes. We we kind of provided a home, but to take it back to um, uh, you know the, the Christmas period. Of course, Christmas is is. is celebrated mm. hugely here but you know in our house my wife Nora is saying and actually when we, when we get off this call we're going over to Stu uh, Leonard's which is a a major uh, uh, retail shopping place here in the, in, in Yonkers and mm. I'm sure lots of listeners that have lived here would know Stu Leonard's we're going over there and Nora says we're going to get prime rib for Christmas, so there might be a little bit, bit of turkey. But my 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 uh, children, my son, uh, came in from Puerto Rico for Thanksgiving. He's living in Puerto Rico now with his yes. his better his better half uh, Vanessa, and my other son came in from Portland, Oregon, uh, with his better half, and my daughter came up from uh, Philadelphia. So we had a, a great. Thanksgiving with our family all together and their significant others. But um, Christmas is just going to be Daniel, my son, uh, my daughter Kate, uh, her friend um, Izzy, and um, 
uh, Nora and I. And uh, that's about it. But but yes, of course, Christmas is celebrated hugely out here. Correct. Well, I, I'm delighted to hear it indeed. When, when are you coming home again, Norbert? Um, Fran, I, I'm arriving in Ireland on February the 20th. My sisters, I have twin sisters, and their birthday is February 22nd. And the only thing that stopped me was 2020 when I couldn't be in Ireland because of the... Of, of the yes. Actually, I was in Ireland. What, what am I talking about? I was in Ireland for, for the pandemic. It was 2021 that I couldn't be there. But, Fran, do I have time? I can tell you another little story. Yes, of course you uh, of my can Of my cancer days, because, um, you know... Um, I, I had a prostatectomy done uh, 2018, mm. and the cancer came back. Uh, my PSA, my, my 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 readings, they kind of elevated. And at Sloan Kettering Cancer Centre, we we were um, we were um, you know my my prostatectomy was done at Sloan Kettering, and they kept monitoring me and um, February our. During the, uh, 2019, uh, the PSA was elevating slowly. And then 2020, they decided that I would have radiation done. And there was a pivotal test that needed to be done in order that um, they would know what part of, like, like how the radiation was to be carried out. Yes. And United, and of course, a lot of people will identify with this, insurance companies, United Healthcare, our insurance company, decided that this test was not uh, necessary. They took it on themselves to decide. And my uh, my doctor at Stone Kettering, Sean McBride, Dr. Sean McBride, a good Irishman, well, he's not directly Irish, mm. but everybody that's a Mac is an Irish out, out here. <laughs> so Dr. Sean McBride... Um, Decided he, he went peer to peer, did all the the, the, the necessary um, that he could do for to get this test done, and they still refused. There was an infi- a, a, another test, and he wasn't happy with that test. So, lo and behold, the, the pandemic. I had just come back from Ireland. The pandemic was 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 about to start here, uh, which we didn't know. And the Sunday, the fifteenth of March, two thousand, Nora. Actually, Nora and I get in our car and we drive 1,300 miles to Minnesota to Minnesota to United Healthcare headquarters. Mm. And we position ourselves on Monday morning in the, in the, in the uh, lobby of United Healthcare. And we, I, I identified myself and said I wanted to speak to somebody about my, my uh, uh, coverage. Yes. We were there until 5 o'clock. We went and, and got a, a motel came back Tuesday morning uh, we came back again and Tuesday morning was St. Patrick's Day it was March 17th we were sitting in the lobby March 17th no parade of course in New York because it was cancer mm-hmm. but we were sitting in in, 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 the, in the in the lobby and all of a sudden everybody all the people upstairs all the, the employees they were they had their dollies coming out of um of um, the, the, with the headquarters, with computers, with laptops, with everything on it. The building was being emptied because of the pandemic, the yes. upcoming pandemic. Wednesday morning, it turned around. Wednesday morning, it turned around. A phone call came to me after we were arriving in on Wednesday morning. And a phone call came to me and um, 
a phone call came to me and uh, it was from the president of United Healthcare. And he said that he apologized profusely for um, we being in this situation, having to drive down 1,300 um, miles to Minnesota and that they would grant us the uh, clearance that, that we we needed. We drove back happily and I had the, um, the um, um, test done in at Sloan Kettering. I went through my 40 days of radiation and thank thank you, Lord. Everything is great. Well, isn't, isn't so that that's fantastic? That's my little story. Isn't on, that on, fantastic on, news? On the medical situation. Well, yes, we, we wish you and yours a very happy Christmas. And will you come in to me in February when you get home, Norbert? I will, indeed. Yeah, we'd, we'd love will. to have I you in studio indeed. and yes. chat about things in New York and all of that. But you look after yourself in the meantime, Norbert. Thank you. Happy Christmas. God bless you, Frank, uh, Frank and um, Merry Christmas to everybody at home in uh, Tipperary and uh, Sloan Augusta. Got a good indeed. Uh, that's Norbert Hennessy live in New York City uh, this morning. We'll take a break. Back in a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. A listener says, great insight from your caller in Melbourne. And that was Neil who spoke to us earlier on. Uh, sad to hear how he'd like to be home in Ireland, but has sacrificed a lot to provide for his family in Australia. Totally agree. This conversation should be played in the Arachtis. Uh, no encouragement from our government for returning professionals. And uh, we really enjoyed uh, the segment. This listener also goes on to say that the discussion made us think and reflect on our assumptions on single people. Are they fussy? Are they gay? Which is fine. Are they selfish? No children. Um, Not capable of commitment. We will think now uh, before opening our big mouths and saying insensitive stuff to all the singletons out there. I like that notion as well, uh, calling somebody child-free as opposed to being childless. All over our a newspapers today is that uh, interview with uh, Phil Hogan, the former EU commissioner, and he's criticised uh, Leo Varadkar and indeed Michael Martin uh, for how he was treated after attending the infamous Golfgate dinner during lockdown. And he accused them of uh, going along with a populist wave of indignation. Now, you might remember back to uh, that uh, scandal. He resigned from his EU post in the wake of uh, what happened after the the Grail leader, along with uh, Michal Martin, called him to uh, consider his position after attending the controversial event. And uh, he had previously apologised, he had previously apologised for attending the event. And um, he did make excuses and said uh, that he uh, did not break COVID rules and whatever. He eventually stepped down anyway from the um, prestigious uh, EU job amid scandal around his attendance. Um, and along with, and, and it's important to remember this as well, there was also controversy about his movements during his trip to Ireland, do you remember, which happened during very tight restrictions as well. But I find it rather ironic that all of this has emerged while speaking to the broadcaster, Sean O'Rourke. <laughs> because, again, if you remember back, Sean O'Rourke also attended the infamous Oireachtas Golf uh, Society event in Clifton. And, um, you know, he's, he's, uh, broadcasting career was certainly in 
impeded somewhat uh, by that and he's really only being accepted back into the fold now so um, it just, just goes to show you anyway that's a podcast that's still available uh, there but it's interesting how people like to to rewrite history and all of that kind of thing. Anyway, that's it for me. Emma produced Ali, looks after our content. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel, and I will talk to you tomorrow. You look after yourselves now, won't you? Bye-bye. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.